Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast and another one coming to you from the UAE. Stoked, uh, actually got to record a couple last week. So we're finding our feet over here, which hopefully means nonstop content from this point forward. Today's guest is with American Rally Racer and maybe one of the nicest dudes I've ever met in my life, Skylar Howes. He is a rally racer for the factory Husqvarna team. Uh, got third place in Dakar this year behind Toby. And uh, I met him at the Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge. And uh, yeah, I was like, dude, before you get back to the States, we got to do a podcast. And this one did not disappoint. Um, yeah, just one of the coolest, nicest guys. And I think he is a dude that is extremely marketable in the world of rally uh and a part of this new generation that i think is going to push the sport of rally to new heights pretty much across the world so i hope you guys enjoy this one um we talk a lot about his i guess like his unconventional path to getting that factory right it's a it's an incredible story um a lot about just rally itself um we go deep into uh into kirk caselli and his tragic passing um and a bunch more so i hope you guys enjoy this podcast we've got a couple more banked up so make sure you head over to the membership website gypsytales.com uh where you will hear these podcasts before they are released on our public feed before we get into this podcast though just a quick message from our sponsors and our first sponsor today are the guys and girls at athletic greens i take ag1 by athletic greens literally every day and look it's just the first thing that i do i wake up in the morning i have my ag1 you have it with about 12 ounces of water uh, and then I can kind of start my day, I'll make my coffee, uh, and it is just a way for me to really kind of cover all of my nutritional bases, and realistically, it is pound for pound, second for second, probably the healthiest thing that you can do for your body in under one minute. I actually reached out to the team at Athletic Greens. I'd been taking them for a, a really long time while I was in the US, uh, but when I moved back home, I guess I kind of just fell off the wagon uh, and in 2023 we're racing world vets at the end of the year um, and we just got a bunch of stuff coming up I kind of just felt like I'd let my health slip a little bit 
and I just remembered how good I felt when I was on AG1 in the past and particularly the biggest thing that I noticed was my gut health my digestion just felt a lot better and I also felt like my skin and my hair was better as well when I was doing it and look guys I'm not getting any younger so it really feels like kind of it's now or never you know we're all short on time these days uh, and I think that's where AG1 just really comes into its own you're getting a massive hit of all of the vitamins and minerals that you need and it's simply just one scoop some water and you're done uh, and it's 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 not only myself that has been getting the benefits from AG1. Since we started advertising for these guys on the podcast, I've been getting a bunch of messages from the Gypsy Gang that have uh, put themselves first as well. They order some athletic greens and I've been getting some really good feedback. So shout out to all of the Gypsy Gang that uh, I guess took my advice and are feeling better for it. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. That is athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. We're also brought to you by the team at Manscaped. And look, takes a village sometimes to keep your nether regions in check. Uh, and that's why you should join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. And with our exclusive offer, you can go to manscaped.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off plus free shipping. The headliner in this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. The trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your heart desires. And did I mention it's waterproof too? We've all had the little shaving mishap and then gone riding straight afterwards and it is just a complete recipe for disaster. And the Lawnmower 4.0 pretty much eradicates that problem. The package also includes the weed whacker, nose, ear, and hair trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts, their shed travel bag and their anti-chafing boxer briefs to help keep your boys stored comfortably. No platinum package is complete without the ultimate hygiene bundle to get you fresh from head to toe. This bundle includes Manscaped's premium body wash, two-in-one shampoo, body and ball deodorant, and much more. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. We're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. And if you're like me and you just got a freshie for the 2023 season, uh, then you really need to keep that bad boy protected a sticky kit from the guys at Rival Inc. is not only going to protect your new investment, uh, but it's also going to customize it to your liking. Obviously, I'll be running the 45, the big gypsy tails on the side, um, but you can either choose their pre-designed graphics, uh, which of course you can customize yourself, or you can get weird, you can get wild like Sammy does, uh, and you can just go the full hog uh, with custom design kits from the guys at Rival Ink Design Co. Uh, they do your jerseys. They do pretty much everything sticker related. And they're also running some pretty dope merch at the moment. So, Rival Ink Design Co.com. We're also brought to you guys 
buy the guys and girls at Fist Handwear. You can head to fisthandwear.com. Uh, use the code Gypsy Gang. That is going to get you 15% off. That link's going to get you 15% off at Rival as well. Uh, and we're also brought to you by the guys at Dixon Quality. I've been running the, uh, the Slipknot uh, collab that they did flat out. Also, the Dylan 2 is available. Uh, so make sure you head to dixonquality.com.au. As well as that, we are brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. You can head to crushoz.com for premium bike care. And I mean premium bike care. Uh, whether that is their foaming rapid wash, their platinum chain lube, premium bike wash, uh, or their Luminate waterless wash for your mountain bike or their ultimate uh, drivetrain degreaser. Guys at Crush Oz have you covered. Uh, if you don't really know what direction to go in, I would suggest just getting their bike care bucket. Uh, I think in all the years that I've been doing stuff with the guys at Crush, I've only ever gone through three of those buckets. So they'll last you a long time. They come with the brush, they come with like the chain deal. Uh, that is pretty much a one stop shop. As well as those guys, we're also brought to you by the team at Tropical Auto Group, the guys in Rocky that hooked us up with the dope D-Max. Uh, absolutely love that car. Kyle is a bona fide legend member of the Gypsy Gang. Uh, and if you give him a call, uh, you are going to get a pretty sweet deal on a new or used vehicle. They do Isuzu. Uh, they do Ford. Pretty much if you're looking for a new or used vehicle, uh, give Kyle a shout before you go anywhere else uh, and he'll get you looked after. Stay tuned for more. We've got more stuff coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, until then, love you all. Gypsy Gang. Skylar House joins us for a makeshift Gypsy <laughs> Tales, but uh, stoke we can do this one, brother. Yeah, joining you on the green couch today. We're locked in, pretty solid. The uh, the casting couch. We've, <laughs> we've done a few podcasts on couches, so yeah. not not all that mad at it. Yeah, it's looking good. I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's uh yeah, kind of cool. Uh, so I went out to the rally the other day to support uh, the big man Tobes as he came in for what was it the second last stage mm -hmm. uh and then we met and i was like well we're fucking doing a podcast aren't we? before <laughs> yeah. you get on out of here fired up dude yeah so uh you're you watch a bit of gypsy tales you're saying yeah yeah so my roommate jeremy actually is like number one fan no he shit to every single podcast so every time he's listening to one, he's like dude you gotta listen to this one and stuff so yeah yeah, yeah. no as soon as i uh I didn't really like recognize because I knew Maddie was coming, so I was like, I expect him. And then I heard you talk, I was like, oh, I definitely know who that is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, sick. <laughs> no, nah, it's sick. I was stoked to I was stoked to meet up with you boys because like we were just saying the the rally stuff's like kind of hard to follow, you know. <laughs> but it's like it's such a dope sport, and I feel like it's I feel like it's coming in pretty hard at the moment. Like it, it really, the last few years, I think. Tobes with a bit of fresh blood in there for kind of it was sort of like the first time in a while and then Sammy Sunderland and then you had Matea so like once the Mark Coma generation kind of like slowly aged out uh and some new blood came in it really seems like it's kind of started to freshen up and then you've got Ricky Brabeck who obviously I think he kind of put it on the map a little bit more for Americans and then now you've come in I feel like 
it's an extremely hard sport to watch and follow but there's some cool shit that's going on in the sport and it's like starting to get some momentum yeah i think what's really cool about the whole process now and especially like rally in general is the racing is getting so tight dude right so before i mean even just within sam's and toby's generation of racing rally it's made this huge transition from you know the first dakar i did was in 2019 and it was only in peru and it was a huge wake-up call for me because i was like you know, I come in from America. I've been I've won races in my time. I'm I'm going down podium in in Baja and things like this. So I come into the Dakar. I had just won my first ever rally ever in Sonora. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna like, you know, show them that yeah. I I can get a factory ride and I'm gonna be this. And I was so out of my element. Like I didn't know how to use the the um, waypoint system or any yeah. of the navigation equipment. I've only used a roadbook like for a week and my first rally. So I was just out of it. And even in that race, basically, if you wanted to like win the rally, you could choose a day where it was like, all right, today's my day. You just push full maximum and try to gain like a, you know, 15 minute gap. And then the rest of the race, you kind of like managed, managed it. Yeah. So you like choose you know, it, and and the races have never really been as long as they were just this last year. As as far as like once it went into South America, they had a super long, you know, fifteen day plus race. But ever since then, it, the longest it's ever been was like twelve days. Mm. And so now we have like a proper fifteen day long race. It's super, you know, super difficult. And it used to be in that scenario if you were to choose your one or two days to push then you could just manage the rest of it and you kind of either had the win wrapped up or you know it wasn't really that big of a fight the the gaps were always like minutes or even 20 minutes or 30 minutes or even an hour and like less stacked field too yeah like the the days of like cyril and mark coma winning like six dakars in a row are long gone yeah like you know, Toby's won two, Sam's won two, Kevin now has won two. And like, if you've won two Dakars, it's so it is, gnarly to get three. It's so huh? gnarly. Yeah, yeah. So gnarly. And so, like, the fact that we're coming down to even racing for seconds now is mm. just insane. If you don't push every single day to the maximum, you're off the pace. And the thing that's crazy too is like, okay, if you're familiar with desert racing or you're familiar with enduro, or anything like that, you have to push, but you have to push, say enduro, you gotta push for 15 minutes through a special, then you can kind of relax, go to the next special. With off-road racing, like desert racing or something like that, you're gonna have to push for a couple hours, you'll be all right. Same with GNCC, you push for a few hours and then you can take time to recover. This one, you have to push for four hours. You have to wake up at Dakar specifically, you got to wake up at two thirty in the morning. Dude, get on the bike. <laughs> so gnarly. Ride from uh, Temecula to Vegas, basically. Is that how long the the what do they call them the uh, liaison liaisons? Yeah, yeah. Some of the liaisons that we did were like five hundred kilometers. Like they took us like seven hours. Are you six doing hours. like? N- there's no music. There's no nothing, right? You can wear uh, some of the guys wear AirPods and stuff, but I got sensitive ears, so I always had to wear like pretty dense earplugs and the the airpods don't cancel it out enough so i get a lot of wind noise and then it just messes with me so Mm. i run 
hours alone on a straight highway, freezing cold with no music. I'm just fully alone with my thoughts the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So you do that, you start out the day going anywhere from two to four hours alone on the highway. It's freezing cold out there. Some this last year raining most of the time. Mm. And then, and then you have to start the race. So then you start, you have no idea where you're going. You have to navigate off of a paper roll chart. that's like a scroll that rolls in the handlebars. And then you have an odometer and a compass. Is yours in English at least? Uh, well, they're transitioning much more, but it used to be full French. Full French, huh? Yeah, yeah. and they're transitioning more and more into English. But the, the the funny thing is, is we've come into the Middle East now, and so they're taking some Middle Eastern terms and putting those into the roadbook also. Heavy. <laughs> so you got like three different language, languages plus the the um, like the odometer. So you have three different boxes. You have your, your mileage, and then you have the middle box, which is going to essentially be your drawing of whatever type of intersection or direction change you have to do. And then in the third box is usually where they put all the wording. But now what they're doing actually is in that third box, they're putting more navigation to make it more difficult. So that's the other thing that's crazy too, is if you take a road book, say from 2017 or 18 versus a road book now, it's way more difficult now. There's so much more information and they're putting like double or triple notes in there, which means you know, at 103.8, we're supposed to take a left at the tree. And then after 300 meters, change your cap heading to this. And then after that, follow a different track. So you have three different notes that you have to read while you're trying to ride, you know, hundred miles an hour, 160 kilometers an hour or something, which is insane. So you do your liaison, you're freezing cold. You have to try and like do jumping jacks and warm up. You see all those funny videos of like, you know, Matias like getting all pumped up and stuff before the race but we're freezing before we start and then our specials usually take anywhere from minimum three to four hours sometimes even longer there was one stage in the dakar this year is 470 kilometers long and it took us like almost two hours longer than they uh, anticipated because it was so gnarly like it was so difficult and then once you're finished with all that you're totally beat down you're ready to take a break then you have to get back on the next liaison and transfer another couple hours into the next bivouac which is just bananas and then do that every day for 15 days you were on the bike minimum 10 hours sometimes 12 hours or more every day for 15 days and that's the crazy thing to think about is if towards the end of the race people start fatiguing out or getting into the rhythm or you know anything like that and then you start looking at like the split times or the the partial times sometimes me and toby were separated by like two seconds for the whole race like we're just we're we're nailing and that's the other thing too if you're not familiar with rally and you watch it on a tracker when you see the names pop up and they're they're you know like say supercross and it says oh they're five hundredths of a second behind the next person they're really close to each other well in rally you could start third place and you can start 15th place but you could be recording pretty much the same time time. so uh, you know it's a common thing for people to be like oh they're riding together because they're they're clocking similar times but yet me and toby would be going like literally one second apart after the course of a hundred kilometers we'd only be separated by a second and then we come to the finish line like the whole race we were we were clocking almost the exact same time came into the second last day only 12 seconds separating between me and two me and him and then on the last day i kind of fumbled it and ended up a minute behind 
Kevin came through, and then it went down to the finish line between 43 seconds between Toby and Kevin, and still Dude. only a couple minutes to me. That's yeah. never happened. Like the the pace, and then now to to Abu Dhabi, I finished sixth place, and I was only a minute. I was 70 seconds. I was a minute and 10 seconds away from the podium. <laughs> I finished sixth. Like it's so bananas, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a it's such a gnarly sport when you just fully lay it out. Mm. You know, when you just the way that that was a brilliant explanation <laughs> of it, by the way. But to do like when you say it like that, you go, "Who wants to do this?" <laughs> and like, why is this a thing? Yeah. But I mean, it's so. I mean, it might have to be one of the gnarliest and most like raw forms of motorsport and i mean there's guys that do it unassisted Mm. no factory team no mechanics like that's a class even i mean it's such a yeah when you lay it all out it's just such a gnarly thing to do and i mean you really do see who is the best or like the most complete you know motorcycle rider like it tests you physically it tests you mentally it tests raw speed it tests that ability to to stay in the game mentally just like a seven hour liaison i mean there'd be so many people listen listening to this that have never done seven hours on a dirt bike with like no music or you know no stops or talking or whatever you know like it's a pretty pretty wild deal yeah and the the i think that's what made me actually fall in love with the sport so yeah. much because i grew up you got to be a soccer <laughs> or like i don't know the way i look at it is um i grew up i you know my family was well off enough that we could have motorcycles but like never we, it, it wasn't really like a motocross racing family because it was too expensive we'd rather just go to the desert because it was for free yeah so i spent my childhood just going on long trail rides with my dad yeah and then that transitioned into racing national hare and hounds and racing desert races so we go up you pay the same amount 40 bucks or whatever and you can go race for two three hours and then that's solid and you get to go to a place that nobody's seen before you don't get to practice the track everyone's kind of on that same level and you know I, I it's less expensive to do that so you get more ride time and uh, it doesn't really matter how much practice you put in at the track or how good your stuff is because mm. everyone's kind of more at the same level it just like levels out over such a longer period of time huh? yeah and then you know as you start racing national hare and hounds similar kind of atmosphere but everyone starts getting a little bit more aggressive and and competitive and then if you go down to Baja thinking okay Baja we're going to go race for 24 hours and it's going to be kind of this fresh deal then you start kind of getting away from it because Baja you're allowed to pre-run so you go down there and you spend it kind of does become a game of like who who's spending the most amount of money who's done the testing who's got the equipment exactly yeah yeah and I thought I was looking for any possible route to add to my resume to try and make that next step to try and get on a factory ride or even just mm. get a sponsor to make it like I was it's, it's like not the same for moto the road maps pretty easy right like you just be the dude at Loretta's and you do it for a few years in a row mm-hmm. and then you get a factory ride but with what you do and that off-road world there's so many routes that you can take to being that guy right well and it's super rare yeah like like to be a factory off-road rider is 
really rare. GNCC is a little bit. But that's more motocrossy kind of, huh? It's a little different scenario. Yeah. There's a lot more publicity. There's a lot more uh, access, I think, to it. In off-road, uh, on the West Coast specifically, it's like there's only one or two seasons that are really premier. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't really have that in already mm. to just be like kind of a random guy that's coming up and like getting success and things like that, or thinking that I'm going to go win some local races and I'm going to win, you know, anything I possibly can because it's going to matter on my resume. It's, it, I, it didn't work for me. Yeah. You know, I could go podium Baja. I could go win Vegas Torino. I could go win the Sonora rally and it didn't mean anything. Really? And then, yeah. And then my, uh, I finished ninth in the Dakar and I was like, okay, sick. The only Americans that have ever done this got a ride. Yeah, yeah. Not a single phone call, not an email, nothing came through. And it was pretty gnarly mentally because I was starting to get... Oh, I bet. I was like 27 at the time. And Kiefer actually says it like, okay, if you're an off-road dude and you're 28 and you haven't made it yet, it's mm. probably time to find that other uh, career. So I'm like at that time where I'm feeling, yeah, probably I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where... I need to focus on her career and like be smart about this and no phone call came. So I'm like, crap. And at that time, the guy who had sponsored me and made it possible for me to, to go and race Garrett, he had a big crash. He was, he was supporting me because he was also getting the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Right. And so he was racing the Dakar as well, had a big crash and was like, all right, that's it. I got a family. Yeah. I can't, I can't be doing this in Saudi Arabia, things like that. So he pulled that, you know, pulled the team away which is fully understandable and then so it left me hanging and then that next year I was like okay this is kind of it like this is my only shot of you know it didn't work for Baja it didn't work for National Heron Hounds it didn't work for any of this other kind of stuff it didn't matter if I got on the podium or not the sport really wasn't coming unless it was from kind of a local company that was just wanted to help me out with uh Mm. with parts or product and so i'm like all right you well, can't eat. exactly so i'm working full-time i worked as a lifeguard for like nine years and then worked at fast company at the flex handle bar shop for yeah another five years on top of that so i was working two jobs trying to trying to pay for racing that got too much so then i tried to focus on racing more which just made me more broke trying to race in baja thinking that would matter just even made it even worse i went more broke then I started like getting desperate. So, so any, any person that's like, Hey dude, you want to come ride for my team? Yeah, sweet. And then I got burned like really heavy, Yeah. eat it. And I didn't think it was possible, but even going more broke and I started getting depressed. I'm like, dude, like this is what my whole life has been focused around. I'm getting burned. Like I'm not, I'm not really having fun. And plus being the nicest dude, <laughs> well, you know, like yeah, yeah. It, that, that would also suck when you're objectively a really, really good dude. You'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Well, the, that was actually a really hard thing for me because at my whole life, I've always just tried to do right by people. Yeah. I don't dude, really I get that. I've known you a week and I get that vibe <laughs> off you. I just, I don't. I, I don't know. Everyone's got their own struggles and, and, and problems and stuff. And I don't, I don't ever want to look at someone and be like, yeah, you know, I, you know, whatever. I, yeah. I don't view myself any better than the next guy. And so when I am partnering with people, I had that kind of bad mentality of expecting people to, to be as good as you or to, yeah, treat yeah. you to the same way. Yeah, and, yeah. and it, and it really hurt because afterwards I bailed on them right in the middle of like when they needed me most. 
And so it left them hanging. And so right away they went behind my back and started trash me. Like one of the kids actually went to like personal sponsors and told pulled told them I was a piece of shit. I shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't help me anymore. The other dude was like making up the craziest things that I couldn't even imagine myself and telling them to all the different people and be like, yeah, this guy's such a piece of shit and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, dude, all I tried to do was just like do my best. And I went broke. I went fully broke. I just couldn't do it anymore. And you know, I, I I left them hanging. So they felt hurt from that and they wanted to just ruin whatever type of image I had for myself. There's so many times like uh, a friend of mine, Jackson Richardson. I don't know if you've like ever followed him on Instagram or whatever, Mm. but he's like one of the best. He was like one of the best young riders in Australia. Mm. He spent a bunch of time in the U S and he spent his whole career doing right by people and now he doesn't even ride anymore and like he was so good and there was so many times like i mean supercross last year it's not to it's not not a dig at anyone that was involved in that team but like he was just on a team that wasn't good enough for him Mm. and like how good he was at riding and it's like the bike couldn't get through um main event you know and it's like he's a he's a top kind of level guy and he just refused to burn him essentially Mm. because i was like and you know they're all good people that run that team Mm. and i'm like bro you have to clip these guys like brett metcalf got hurt Mm. and he was on the factory ktm broke his collarbone at the first round and i was like jats you need to be on that bike like if you don't get on that bike then you you're gonna really struggle (laughs) refused just the best dude and like wanted to do the right thing and then he didn't show up at the last round because it was just it it got too much and it's like man it sucks but sometimes like nice guys do finish last in in that sense you know yeah and that's actually i it's it's funny now looking back it definitely was not a fun experience to go through getting treated like this or just you know hitting those low points as everyone has, everyone has low points and stuff, you know, it's not a fun experience to go through, but you know, when you, when you are able to come out of it, it, it brings a light on so much more stuff. Like I, I now know that doing everything to try and make someone happy is not the right way. Mm-hmm. It's just not the right way. I, I had more problems by being like, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah, you need, I yeah, got it. Yeah. I'll handle it. Yeah anything to make you happy type of thing. I had more problems with like upsetting people, uh, you know, having arguments or something because most of the time you take something on, it becomes too much, yeah. you fail at delivering. And you've got every good intention to do it. Yeah. And, and it's like a, it's like an instinct. You yeah. Know, you're not really thinking it through in the moment. Mm-hmm. Your instinct is just to try and, you know, be a good dude and yeah. help people. But yeah, I and know exactly what you're saying. The best like piece of advice and the best thing that I was able to learn from one of my other friends is if I needed help and he couldn't deliver, he just tell me no. And then I was like, no, no hard feelings. I go and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And then I started doing that to other people. Like, Hey man, sorry, I can't change your tire today. No, sorry. I, yeah, I can't yeah. help you out. I'm, I'm pretty busy on yeah, my own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this insane. doesn't make you any worse of a yeah, person. I just couldn't help out. Like I was yeah. busy with my own stuff and they didn't resent me for it. It was just, you know, and then it made my life better. And more and more you kind of make those steps of, of like, oh, all right, you know, I can, I can still be a good person, but I can yeah. be a good person also for myself. Yeah. You know, and I think Dude, that I used to, sorry, I just have in my head, I used to think about this all the time and I've literally <laughs> haven't thought about it until you said it. I'm like, why do I stop thinking about this? But it's like, you can't pour from an empty cup. 
Yeah. And it's like the most cliche, lame, hallmark, like hallmark sounding thing. But it's so true. You it's know? so like, true. You can take on way too much shit trying mm-hmm. to be a good dude. And it's like, you're just you're trying to pour from an empty cup yeah. you know? and it's just it can cook you big time and i was cooked i was big time cooked and i finally reached this point in my career where it was like i say career i wasn't making any money this wasn't a, 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 a sustainable career choice at the time and but you were still stacking chips and investing in yourself and like it's all part of the process yeah and i you know working working my ass off to to make make it possible to get to the race and so when I come down to it and like, finally I get built up and I got people that are stoked cause I finished ninth and I did good in a couple stages in the Dakar. And then, you know, I went out and I, I was able to win a couple, like not world rounds, but they were, I won a race in Morocco and you know, things like that. So people were kind of gaining a little bit more notice, but in America, nobody even knows what the Dakar is. Like it's such a small group of people that actually know even what rally they think of rally as WRC, like Mm. driving the rally cars and stuff. And so to try and find support there is really, really difficult and be like, Hey, this is the biggest, largest televised event in the world. As far as off-road sporting events go, people are selling helmet spots on their, on their helmet for like crazy amounts of money. And people are like, oh, yeah, I'll give you like a thousand bucks for a cup of, you know, a custom painted helmet. Or something yeah. like that. And it's like, dude. So I, uh, you know, Garrett had pulled out. He's like, look, I'm not really interested in helping anymore. So it left me on my own. And at that year, when I finished ninth, I like I broke the bike in half. So the pivot bolt broke twice on the swing arm which was super sketchy. And then because that broke, uh, it was putting so much flex on the motor that it broke the engine hangers. And that on that bike, it was a trellis frame. So the only thing holding the engine in the frame was just the skid plate on the bottom and the air boot. Damn. And because there was no other like support to that, it cracked the frame too. And I finished the Dakar on essentially like a broken in half bike. And so my feeling was like, I don't want to go back and do this again. It was completely stock bike, stock suspension, everything. Like it was beating the crap what out of me. What bike was it? It was a Husqvarna. Mm. And it was just like, the, the thing with those is they're, they're built for, you know, the, the, they're very extremely capable bike and they're super close to the factory bike, but they're built for an amateur rider looking to do rally. And you're a big dude. I'm a big dude. <laughs> I'm a big dude that's <laughs> smashing into stuff yeah, yeah. and to ride, you know, stock suspension on any bike. Doesn't matter what you get on stock suspension, stock bike, things like that. You know, you're probably going to override the equipment a bit. And, uh, so I was like, look, I don't want to do that again. I was, I was working my ass off and, you know, got a little bit sketchy. And you're in the top 10, you know, like yeah. there's, there's <laughs> definitely a feeling that when you're in the top 10 on a stock bike with no support, you have to leave that being like, okay, if I had this, this, and this, I feel like I could be closer to the front. And that's a valid feeling. Yeah, exactly. And so... I got a phone call because I was like, dude, I can't go back. There's no way I can afford it on my own. Like it's a hundred grand. Any way you look at it, if you want to like do the right steps properly, pay the right team and do everything, hotels, flights, all that kind of stuff included roughly a hundred grand, no matter which way you look at it. And I'm like, there's no way, like there's no way I can get that. Is that, that US money. or Euro? Uh, US. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. hundred grand US. Yeah. Um, so I get a phone call from Bart. He owns the Boss KTM team, yep. which is a fly and ride 
support team. And he's like, hey, look, I'd love to have you on the team, but it's not for free. Uh, but what I can offer you is that we'll make sure you have the best bike possible. It'll have suspension that fit, fits you. You're not going to have the same issues that you had before. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be on a proper machine. And I was like, I mean, essentially that's all I could ask for. And, but I told him, I was like, dude, there's no way I can pay for this. I really need your help. So he personally, he's the owner of a team and he goes and gets his personal sponsors to try and like help me out that's as sick. well, which was super awesome. He started working with KTM and got it, got me like more connected there. So he helped me out. Like, uh, when you go to Dakar, you can buy a service card, same kind of like in six days, you can buy a service card. So when you need parts, you don't have to actually go and pay for it. You just go in swipe the card and then afterwards you pay the bill. Uh, but just that card, just to get it is like two grand or something like that. And mm. that gets you just the access to buy parts. So he got me that for free type of thing. And then like the bike rental, he ended up finding a sponsor that, that, that covered the bike rental cost. And then I went to work, like I was working at a CNC machine shop, just press and go making billet aluminum parts. And that guy was helping me out a ton. He was like paying me bonuses when he didn't have to and paying me well for working, you know, six to eight hours a day. And then after that, I was packaging t-shirts, selling out the t-shirts. I tried to do riding schools, tried to do like a ride day, get people to come in. We did like raffles and things like this. And then I sold all my bikes. I had like some Hondas, some old 450Xs at the time that we were racing in Baja and things. I sold all of those. I sold uh, the rally bike that I got from Dakar in Peru as like a, a Garrett uh, brought that bike over and was like, hey, we need rally bikes to train on. And he gave that to me actually, because when I finished ninth, I got a bunch of uh, prize money and all that prize money went to cover the cost of his crash. Yeah. So as like a gift, he was like, here, take the bike. Sounds like a good dude. Eh? He is, he, he's a, he, he's a dude. He made things possible for, I would never be here without him. Yeah. Like, yeah. So anyway, so, but I had like my first ever Dakar rally bike had to sell it. Like there's no other way around it. So I sold that. I sold my Ford Ranger. I had like a, you know, piece of crap Ford Ranger that my buddy rebuilt the engine for me and gave to me. It was like, Hey dude, here, I'm here to help you out. I had like a 1987 Toyota pickup with a blown head gasket before that. And he's like, dude, well, let's get you a nice vehicle. I sold all of it. And I was still short and I came down to, came back to Bart and I'm like, look, dude, it's going to realistically come down to the point of, I'm not going to be able to pay the bill at the end of this. What's going to happen if I give you 50 grand and I owe you another 50, like what, what happens? Do we ra Do I race? You're, you're going to be 50 grand short on this. Like what's the, uh, do I need to move to Holland? He's based out of Netherlands. I'm like, do I, do I need to move here and work for you and work off the 50 grand for a year? Or how? And he's like, Oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm like, no, like, this is serious, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to be short. So I'm literally doing everything I can. And I was super short. And then I got a random email. It's, I still don't understand. I still do not understand this through my website. Uh, this guy emails me and he's the owner of rebellion timepieces. Yeah. Time pieces, the the watch company. Yeah. And he goes, Hey man, uh, I saw your story and I'd love to help you out. And I was just like, okay, cool. What do you mean? And he's like, well, what do you need for the Dakar? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I need? He's like, how much money do you need? I'm like, ah, I'm short, like a lot of money. And he goes, ah, okay. Sounds good. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, 
what can you do? Can you put my sticker on the bike? I'm like, I can get you a custom painted helmet, but you know, that's kind of about the only thing I have power of at this point. And he goes, okay, cool. Sounds good. And he covered, he, he made it possible for me to race and not have to sweat it. And I was like, but at the time I told him the story too, cause I thought it was funny, but at the time I thought it was fake. Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't Damn, believe dude, that shit just doesn't happen. Huh? Exactly. And I, I, <laughs> I went, I researched his company and I'm like, okay, it's a real company. And like, this is actually the, the name of the guy, but like, this can't be real. So I made him FaceTime me. I'm like, Hey dude, can you, you do like about a- getting catfish? I straight up thought that he was going to be like some night. I'm a Nigerian prince that, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know yeah. that whole scam yeah. thing. And I FaceTime and he's like, Hey, what's up, man? And I'm like, oh, I, nothing much. Just wanted to chat for a sec. Like he's a real dude. And he's become a great friend of mine. That's so sick. And it's like, because I asked, I asked him this I'm like, Why, why me? why me? Why'd you choose me? There's so many other people out there that want Dakar as a dream and stuff. And he's like, ah, well, you know, part of the company and the, the, what the, the rebellion company stands for is, you know, that they race Le Mans and and do some other things kind of as the underdog. Yeah. They're a luxury watch company, but they're not, you know, Porsche and, and all this other kind of stuff. They're kind of a, you know, underdog company. And so they're like, yeah, you know, we see this kind of stuff and you you fit the image of the company and we just love to help you what out. What a legend. And dude, and it's like, I still, you know, they still like, he's still a great friend of mine. And he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, what? Where whatever. are they based? Uh, Switzerland. Yeah, sick. And it's like, I, but still I can't believe why he even, why I got that email. And he, the owner of the company emailed me and I was like, oh, this is crazy. So anyways, I, I get the opportunity to go back. And that feeling exactly like you say, like, okay, I went there on a stock bike and I was able to get some pretty good stage finishes and finish in the top 10, but I was like an hour behind, but I knew I could do better. Like I knew I was capable and that I, oh, I left out a serious part, actually three months before that Dakar that I finished ninth in, I broke my neck. Dude, so so that was the, that was the Dakar before. Yeah. So I broke my C6, so I have my C5 and 6 uh, fused together, uh, 5, 6, 7, and that was four total months, so I went three months of recovery, and then I trained for about a week and then flew over there, and my mentality switched because my first Dakar, I separated my shoulder. I hit a kid on a scooter on the liaison and separated my shoulder, so that took me out. My first Dakar ever, full crying my life's over. I'm never going to be able to go back. But Garrett made it possible. I was able to go back, broke my neck before. And I was like, okay, the first Dakar I went to, I had this mentality that I was going to go in there and Big show man, them how yeah. cool I was. This one, I have no training. I've, I just broke my neck. I haven't even got on a dirt bike since then. So there's zero pressure just finish this race, ride every mile, do the best you can, whatever. And then I finished ninth and I had a great time. I had a super fun time because I, I was just having fun. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm more healthy now. I'm on a little bit better equipment now, I'm, but I, I'm just going to do the same thing. I don't care what I finish each day. I don't care how I'm feeling, whatever. I'm just going to ride the day, however it goes. And then I finished fifth and I'm the only American to finish in the top five other than like the the old school dudes in the 90s not on a factory bike to finish in the top five so i'm like 
this is sick. This is awesome. This best result, you know, American has had that hasn't finished on a po- finished on the podium before. Yes, now's the time. No phone call came. No email, no nothing. Had you been were you like talking to the the KTM team like were you kind of around because it's like a, you know, it's a small it's a bivouac, it's just like a camp essentially in the middle of the desert. Like people had to have known what you were doing and noticed what you were doing. Yeah, they they definitely took notice and i and i had met them but i don't know i i have that feeling too that i don't want to be that guy that's always like trying to yeah you know it's hard eh? weasel my way in i want to like respect my distance and and do it the right way too you know like hey i'm not going to get the factory ride because you know uh, i want to do it because i earned it right yeah so but i ended up that year i ended up leading the overall for a day that's so sick. Which was super random. Which I f- everyone knows your name at that point. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, it was super random. I, was, I came in and they're like, hey, how does it feel to be first? And I'm like, what do you mean? I finished fourth today on the stage. They're like, no, you're leading the Dakar. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's like, so cool. super random. So from that point forward, they would come over and help me out with like, oh, how much fuel do I need to put in the bike? When? Stuff like this. When is the checkpoint? All of that kind of stuff. And they would just kind of help out a little bit more on tire choice because that year we had a super strange rule where we were only allowed six tires mm, and so we, that's right so we had to do like two days minimum on the same tire which became very dangerous was that the year toby had to zip tie his yeah, tire up yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so then they helped a little bit more about strategy with that kind of stuff and just were you know a little bit more present with me and i got to know him a little bit better but um so you know that race goes successfully i feel great i'm like awesome this is it you know i'm a little bit more connected now now's yeah. the time i'm gonna get a call from someone no one not a single phone call and i'm like dude what am i doing Did yeah, yeah. My, my buddy jeremy we kept having a joke because i'd win vegas Reno. i'd solo vegas Reno. i'd win it and i'd finish on the podium of baja and then i'd win the sonora rally and then i do this and then i do that and then nothing and he's like, did you do something wrong? Yeah, yeah. Like, did you burn someone and they're just like secretly just... You ran over someone's dog or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, what happened? I'm like, dude, I don't know. So I was just... I Finally, I got the email. Jordy Villadomes, he's the, the team manager at the time. I sent him an shout email. Shout out to Jordy. Yeah, shout Imagine. out to Jordy. Yeah. <laughs> so I sent him an email and I just said, I was like, dude thank you so much i appreciate the help during dakar thanks for sharing your knowledge and all of this kind of stuff i really appreciate it um i have to be honest i feel like i can add value to the team i feel like what i've been able to accomplish with no training no preparation nothing on the bike uh i've been able to add something there and i feel like with more training and the and more tools that I can be better. I finished fifth. I finished ninth. I knew I could finish top five. I finished fifth. I knew I could finish on the podium. I finished on the podium. I know I can win. You know, by building the experience and having that tools and, and things like that, I know I can be a value to the team. And to be quite honest, I cannot do it this way again. I have nothing left to sell. I there's You don't make enough on selling t-shirts. Like there's no way I can afford to pay myself to, to pay my own way to go again. It's just not possible. And I got an email back that was like, Hey, great job. You know, I saw it. Uh, if there's something that we can do, I'll let you know. We're going to have meetings. Uh, I'll let you know in two weeks, three weeks go by, not a word. And I'm just sitting by the phone the whole time. Cause I got, got nothing going on. I, I got to ride my bicycle to work. 
And I'm just like... Fuck, so like literally <laughs> come back from fifth at the Dakar and you don't even have a car to no, drive to work. I, I'm, I'm staying in a buddy's house. I'm staying on his bed. That It's not even my bed, you know? So I'm just like, dude, I've put everything into this. And hey, I'm at just, least you ain't going to die wondering. That that was my exact because I got that question a lot. Why? Yeah. Why yeah. would you Why would you sacrifice? There's this something much? to it, man. I well, here's the thing. It's all just stuff, right? Very true. It's all just stuff, and at the end of the day, stuff is replaceable, and experiences aren't. Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to go. You, you, and you never heard anyone on their deathbed uh, say, "Ah, I wish I had more stuff." True. It was always, I wish I would have done more. Yeah. Like yeah. done more things. Yeah. And I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? It's possible. Work ethic, all that kind of stuff. You can rebuild and get you where you want to go, but you're not going to have this opportunity again. You're like, I, I never want to look back and say, what if I tried? Yeah. You know, maybe I would have went somewhere if I would have just tried. Yeah. And, and then you just, that twist your insides, bro. <laughs> you know, like how many people do you know that, like older people you know like i've got people i can think back to in my hometown where it's just they're just these bitter twisted old people that have those regrets in their life Mm -hmm. they just never did the thing that they thought they could do right and it was i mean that's been one of my driving forces forever i'm like i would so much rather be broke Mm. but with like potential yeah you know <laughs> for like sure. to have this because I, I would always think i mean even when i was in the u.s and i was struggling it was it was like yeah but i could get one job you know i could get one job that changes everything mm-hmm. i could i could have one you know this one thing that then was the thing that put me over the edge and it's like it's easier to be broke with like hope and potential than it is to be comfortable (laughs) with like nothing on the horizon you know yeah and and going back to what i say before like those experiences in life make you who you are today they're not fun to go through at the time but they make it you know when you do have opportunities or when it is nice yeah you appreciate it much more and I think that's like a lot of why my, my mentality obviously rallies specifically in what you have to go through in rally is yeah, really a lot. Fits that. but like that, you know, going through those, those tough times as just a, an adult trying to find your way in the world as you do and being able to learn from those kind of stuff. Like, you know, I, I see a lot of other people that have had early success or maybe a little bit less adversity in their life and they, expect much more Mm. like hey you owe it to me and nobody owes you anything you know and at the end of the day we're just dirt bike riders right you know like how special are you you know at the end of the day like this is what we want to do this is your dream as a dirt bike rider to do this Mm. they don't owe it to you this is what you want to do you know and that's that's the way i look at this whole thing now is like look i know what it takes to do this on your own I say on your own, I had a lot of people obviously help me out to get there, but you know, without the the support of a factory or like insane sponsor things like that. And, and like no backup plan and nothing to go home to. And right. like literally like checkers or wreckers kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that is the mentality difference between a handful of the other racers and myself is I want to win and I know I'm capable of that. But at the end of the day, this is a rare thing that not very many people, even just to race the Dakar, but Mm. to do it as a factory racer, 
and have like, a chance at winning and have a chance at that's super rare yeah. i would be i it would be a shame if i didn't enjoy a hundred percent of these moments yeah if i got sixth place at the abu dhabi man i wish i would have won but guess what that gave me an experience to go back and now i can be better as a person as a racer and all that kind of stuff and when do you get to stay in this crazy place in the middle yeah, of the yeah, desert yeah. and you know all this kind of stuff like the opportunity is incredible i didn't win that's a bummer but i'm not mad about it you know and so like this this all of that kind of stuff leads up to finally getting that phone call and jordy he he just goes hey how you doing and i go well that's pretty good how yeah. are you you know <laughs> how are you and he goes hey good how do you like the color white and i was like i think it would fit me quite well he's like sweet well, you know, we'll send a contract over you here soon. Well, and I got dude. super lucky with it because normally like if they, they want to kind of transition you into that, they don't want to just give you the factory ride. They want to like see more of how you work with the team, things like this. But I got really lucky that one of the guys, his contract ended and he moved to another brand. And so I had an, I had an open spot. Normally I would have had to stay on the privateer team with more support yeah, yeah. for another year but i got really lucky they're like hey there's a spot open we'd like for you to take it i'm like put anything in front of my face now and i'm gonna sign it no matter what like yeah. I, so it and that was like yeah she, she hates that i say it too but my girlfriend she uh she doesn't come from racing she has no idea she doesn't really know like the meaning of finally like getting that contract yeah, getting yeah, the, yeah. so i find i hung up she was it, uh in the house i was staying in like the little casita at the time of my friend's place and uh, she was in the main house and uh i walked in there and i was like i uh, i did it i got a factory ride and she goes oh that's cool <laughs> and i was just like uh, 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 <laughs> like I don't know what to do with my hands. Like this yeah. is the, this is the moment that everyone dreams of. Like this is the moment that they're like, oh yeah, that finally like the gates of heaven have opened and stuff. And she's like, like I got a promotion at work. That's cool, honey. Yeah, nice, cool. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, she understands now. Like she's yeah, yeah. my number one fan. She's you know we joke about it now, but yeah, at the time I was just like I didn't like I didn't even know how to act. I'm like this is something that I've worked for my entire life for, and I like what what do I do now? Like, what, how am I supposed to feel? It's just the craziest thing. And the coolest thing about it is it feels normal. Mm, it feels right. I don't feel like I'm treading water anymore. I yeah. feel like I got my head above water. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I can actually, like, I'm, yeah, these last couple of years have been rebuilding years. My Myself has always taken a back seat. I, it, it's always been about me, but as far as like training mm. all of that kind of stuff i've the, all of the stuff that's kind of important to an athlete is always taking a backseat nutrition gym training any of that kind of stuff i've always just been mechanic race work mechanic race that's it and so now it's a, it's been a bit of a transition to kind of change my brain from that when i wake up i'm like oh there might be bike work to do and i'm like no i got to go to the gym you got to go for a bicycle ride, things like this. And that's the, been the hardest transition, but working with the team and like going out and with my mechanic, he's incredible. He's a machine. He's like incredibly dedicated to being like the most perfect. Mechanic so you have a ever. mechanic that's with you in the States? No, 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 no. Just only oh, for the races. The race stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only the races, but working with him and working with the rest of the team and like doing testing, uh, uh, doing trainings with the team, all of that kind of stuff. It just feels, it feels normal. It doesn't feel like I'm stressed all the time about like, ah, did I, 
did I tighten the bolt enough? Did I do the proper proper work on my own bike? I know I, I consider myself a, a decent mechanic and I know I did a good job, but it's always in the back of your head. But with my mechanic, I don't have that. You know, with the rest of the team, with all the other kind of stuff, the logistics, booking your plane Dude, flights, being all that stuff. Fucking car. <laughs> yeah. And like not have to worry about rent and, you know, like just to have your life like, oh, I'm a normal adult now. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like you. Dude, I've been there like when you're fully on that come up and you're sacrificing your entire life for mm-hmm. this goal that you have again on that like on that potential that you think you have and that, you know, the thing that you think you can achieve <laughs> and you just aren't even a fucking normal human yeah. for so long. Like <laughs> and you look around at everybody else like oh my friend's girlfriend has a car and then he has a car and then they just pay their rent on time like it's just to have all of those bases covered i mean so many people take that for granted you know but to to finally have that moment and know that you're going to be able to get to the next race like it's just that would have been the craziest feeling yeah it's it it still to me is like you know i feel a bit it's actually a, a really, I mean, this is a real thing that people have, but if I feel guilty about it almost. Mm. Like some of the times I feel like, I, you know. Like it's too much. Not that it's too much, but, you know, sometimes when, I, when I'm super tired and I didn't go to the gym that day. Like, yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, things like that where I'm like, oh, maybe I, you know, maybe, maybe someone else is working harder and they deserve yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They deserve it more Someone's than I do. for me, bro. Yeah, things like that where I just like, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I don't not that I don't deserve it. I know that I worked hard for this and things like that, but it's just like, there's, I constantly, I, I battle with this with my trainer all the time. He's like, Oh, you know, all this, but I'll, I'll miss, I'll miss a run here or I'll miss a workout here or things like that. I'm not doing a hundred percent of what he's asking me to do. And I feel like I'm like behind. Yeah. And he's like, no, dude, like you're, you're, if you got so much other stuff on your plate, you're like, this is fine. You're doing a great job, things like that. But I'm like, ah, oh, you know, so this is the hard part of like coming from that just grind at all costs mentality to like, okay, now you have to be smart about this. You got to train the smart way. You got to eat the smart way. You got to, this money that you're making now, it needs to be directed in the proper places yeah. to benefit you as an athlete now. And so that's been like the biggest challenge for me is to, you know, train, change my brain into like, ah, I, I need to take care of my body first. I need to take care of myself. But all of that too is every single scenario that I've been presented within the team, anything that could be stressful and all that kind of stuff, it seems like it's no big deal. Yeah. Like the, 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 all of that kind of stuff before was like way gnarlier. Like this kind of stuff, I just need to put my helmet on and do what I need to do. Yeah. You know, be and and just be a good racer. And when the helmet comes off, be a good person, be thankful for, to, you know, to your, t- to your team and things like that. And uh, everything that's like stress and hard work is like, oh, you know, this is, this is all right. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is nice. This is nice. If this is what stress is, like if this is a hard work, because that's the thing, like it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know, it's it's but still comparatively hard work. to like where you were though. Yeah, it's it's got to be just such a different different feel. There's like a level of suffering that you're fully down to go through, <laughs> but the selling all of your shit level of suffering, like that's the hard stuff you don't want to go through. Yeah, this is suffering with like you know that there's a a, a purpose behind yeah, it. Yeah, there's yeah, no, yeah. Like yeah. The, the other suffering is just like rolling the dice. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. 
So yeah, it's it, it's been like this this insane process to get here, but now as a factory racer and like to do, you know, to come to Dubai or go to Abu Dhabi or go to Morocco and like see we that's the other crazy thing that people don't see because in in rally specifically 90 percent of what you're going to see is just the short clip of the helicopter yeah but there's so much more like we're riding by a small village and all it is is a hut the size of your bathroom and that's someone's whole life that's where they live and you come by and you see like a, a a a small child like a little girl sitting on the step just watching you ride your you know watching all this multi-millions of dollars worth of racing equipment just pass her by and that's her life she just hangs out there and just to bring you back into that moment like dude like to see go i never in my life thought i would go to kazakhstan yeah and race through kazakhstan Kazakhstan? pretty much think borat nailed it (laughs) (laughs) dude there's a moto gp there this year really yeah and i said i said to jack i was like I kind of want to wear a Borat suit and just like go to the Kazakhstan MotoGP and chill. It was uh, organizationally not that awesome. And like we showed up, we landed on a charter flight and we showed up there and they're like, I oh, know with your visas, we can do it at customs as you went through. We sat on cold, hard floor for seven and a half hours oh. for everyone to get their visas in the airport was not awesome and then like we showed up to the prologue on time everything's and nobody's there nothing no timing equipment no course no nothing no people out there nothing set up and i was like is that iso event like no this is before that yeah so it was a private event at the time and like the road books were cool i had a fun time racing it and it was super interesting they got camels in kazakhstan racing next to camels randomly never thought i would see that but it was like it's <laughs> just such a strange experience never in my life did i ever think i would do that and then the very next race we go to is in russia yeah we go race the silkway rally and it starts oh, in russia yeah and i'm really bummed out because that all this stuff is going on in the world because that was such an insane event it was yeah. so Dude, rad russia's wild it like, was it's so such a rad cool place the coolest thing so the thing that sucked it's like during covid times so we get to the border of Mongolia and they, sh- they say, no, you can't come in. So ha- more than half, 70% of the race was then canceled. Yeah. So they just turned us around and we raced back into Russia. And it was all like racing through forest and all that kind of stuff. But, but beautiful landscape. Beautiful. And the coolest thing is like the fans. Yeah, right. There's people, we're going through like Siberia. That's another thing. We like we we had a five. Eh, it was like four hundred and seventy or five hundred and seventy kilometer liaison. But I think it was ranked like the number three be- most beautiful world uh, uh, road in the world to drive on. Wow! It was insane. We're on the bike for six hours, but it was just like we're going through this huge canyon. It looks like the forest goes on forever, and then all of a sudden these giant mountains, like bald snow capped mountains in the in the distance, like insane. And then you go through like this tiny little like snow village in the middle of like Siberia and this crusty old lady is like, you know, peeking her head out the door. So it's like, when would you get the experience? Like what is life at that point? Yeah. And we get to this small village and they have this big stage set up. The local people are doing like a traditional dance and stuff. They got an announcer there. And this this is on 4th of July also. And, uh, as people are lining up to start the stage, the the guy is introducing everyone in Russia. So all I can really understand is 
the the name of the racer and what country they're from and so i was like oh, usa is a little bit uh, dicey we'll see how this goes yeah. so i roll up there and he's like you know saying stuff and he goes skylar house usa and there was about a thousand russians surrounding me and they all started going usa usa no. I, like i get chills about it thinking Dude, about it now because it was so, so rad. rad it yeah. was so sick and stuff like that like that'll just be burned in my memory forever that just made like I, I appreciate what I get to do so much because it's just it's random it's so random like I respect all of these other different disciplines yeah. of racing but that's why I love rally so much because when would you ever go randomly through Siberia yeah you know or randomly and have through a thousand Russians chant USA yeah it's just like the craziest thing ever so it doesn't it's so cool to have the the physical experience that goes so heavily against the narrative <laughs> you know and i think traveling is that's something that i find in so many places i mean i lived in the u.s for so long and i lived there through a pretty gnarly time i mean it feels i guess it feels like it's always a gnarly time in mm. the u.s when, when it comes to like the media and stuff mm. but there were it was like a real like a lot of racism talk mm-hmm. at the time in america and i remember being on a plane i think i've told the story before but i remember being on a plane and there was a, an African-American woman that had a, a sick baby, like mm. a, a like kind of maybe nine, ten months old, like snot everywhere on, the, on her nose and like her ears weren't popping on the plane. And there was a nurse, uh, a white woman that was a nurse that was on the plane. Two dudes got up and helped this chick like get her bag situated and like then the nurse grabbed the baby and then she was nursing it and like she had some medication in her bag and and it was like if you were on twitter or instagram at that moment and you were scrolling through any news feed america's crazy racist Mm. and then the living example of like what you see just as humans interacting is the exact opposite yeah and then you come to a place like dubai Mm -hmm. that has like hundreds of nationalities that that live here and you know you go to any place and there's five six seven languages talking you know or then like you said in in russia like my partner's russian all her best friends are ukrainian Mm -hmm. it's like the people on the ground Mm -hmm. are so much different to the narrative that gets portrayed in so many of of these places you know and it's like it's not until you travel Mm -hmm. and you really go to these places that you will see that 99 percent of that is just bullshit yeah and people are just they're just stoked to be around other cool people yeah it it's everywhere you go you're gonna find good people it doesn't matter where you go yeah if you're looking for trouble you'll probably find trouble (laughs) yeah if you're, but you're gonna find good people, and I've I've found people in in Baja in Mexico that will give you the shirt off their back for sure. That will dude. drop anything at the dime to help you at all costs, to no benefit to them other than they're helping you. Yeah, and you know it, it goes the same anywhere. No matter where you go, you're gonna find good people, and I think that's a, a funny thing to look at now. Is you can look at someone, say if you're for instance me i live in kind of a it's not small anymore it's growing crazy but you could go into the store and you can see someone and see kind of how they're acting and be like you've never traveled, traveled yeah, you've yeah, never, yeah yeah you've never experienced when you leave or like because sometimes when you're on the ground at a place it doesn't really like bring it into perspective but maybe if you leave that place or you're arriving to the place for instance uh morocco or peru like in lima peru 
there's however many millions of people live in there and you look out, I, I saw this when I was leaving, um, I think it was Casablanca, Morocco one time, wherever it was. Uh, there was just like four rows of just these gnarly shacks stacked on top of each other. People like staying favela in, style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just people staying in the streets, super dirty, gnarly, sketchy, and all that kind of stuff. And you're just like, on face value, you're like, ooh, I don't know. <sighs> but but what I'm like, my point of it, and same like going back to the scene, that girl like staying in a little mud hut. And it's like when you when you realize that that's life yeah. for a, a lot of the rest of the world. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter where you go. You go to in USA and see that that's life for people. Like this is just how they were born mm-hmm. to believe that this is how life is supposed to go. Yeah. And you you realize that of like how fortunate you are to have one been born into this. Oh, dude. And it's all luck. Dude, like. I, I, I believe that definitely a lot of decisions have to come into play, but I mean, being born into a specific household and narrative and, you know, direction by your parents, just things parents like that. that have morals. Like, yeah, because <laughs> you don't choose where you're born. You don't choose who you're like until you pop out, like you're not even a thing. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you just get born into where you get born mm-hmm. into. And it's, I was actually talking to a cab driver here the other day. Um, we were going from the beach back to here and he was a Nigerian dude and we were just kind of talking and he was saying about like his plan for Dubai and he like sends money back to Nigeria and, but he's like oh Nigeria is maybe like the worst passport and it's just like fuck yeah. nicest guy yeah shittest luck yeah you know just to be born with that passport you know yeah so like when you're born into a a good family in the West and your parents have good moral, like dude, jackpot of life, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, you could see other people and just be like, man, you do not realize how good it is. Yeah. How fortunate or like your problems are not that serious. Yeah. You know? And that, I think like that statement specifically is what helps me out a lot with like, Oh dude, I like, you know, a stressful time in my life. Actually, you know what? Yeah. It's pretty, pretty, pretty good problem to have. It's not that bad, you know? And so like this mentality specifically and with, with rally, there's so much stuff that probably will go and can go wrong. Yeah. You're probably going to get so many variables, probably going to get lost. You're probably going to have some type of mechanical issue. You're probably going to have a crash something's going to happen that goes wrong and there's like all you can do is just try to minimize those yeah that scenario minimize the damage that's it and there's so many people in racing that i see like oh i gotta make the time back up it's like well actually the time's gone forever yeah you'll never make the time back up if you wanted to go that fast or have this time in the beginning you should have just been always going that fast yeah like how why are you going to go faster now yeah you're actually just going to put yourself more into a a a position to make another mistake and then you end up going backwards and like those kind of lessons in life too those lessons on the track apply to life exactly yeah like that kind of stuff so wise yeah where where it's just like actually you know what you know whatever mistake or whatever problem is happening right now, there's no need to overreact. Yeah. There's no need to like, and going back and talking with Garrett, he actually helped me out a lot because at the time I was so thankful for what he was doing to me. It's like anything he was, 
he was uh, asking of me, I wanted to do it the best. And anytime I was starting to fall short on that, I'd like start spiraling. Send him this big long message, dude. I'm so sorry, but I'm not gonna make the deadline. Like, you know, I have two bikes that I gotta prep. That's I'm gonna like be late. Chill, bro. And he every single time it was like a problem that he could have been yelled at and like could have been super angry with me. He's putting a lot of money into it, and I'm falling short. He's like, hey, dude, sleep on it. Let's, yeah. let's chat tomorrow. Yeah. No big deal. It's all good. And that kind of mentality too is like, you know what? Probably most of what you're like freaked out about or stressed about is is not going to be an issue in like four hours from now, you know? And if it is, handle it with a level head and you're not acting. It's almost like a respond instead of react. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and that specific thing in rally has helped me into daily life so much more too, because I can think about things logically rather than off of emotion. Mm. You know, you, you get fired up about something and then you're just, ah, you know, actually, you know what, you know, if I do that while I'm, while I'm on the motorcycle traveling at a hundred miles an hour, there's probably going to be a pretty serious like consequence. So, you know, those lessons and all that kind of stuff. That's the thing about rally is like, like I say, when you're watching it on the TV, you're seeing a small clip and chances are when we see the helicopter, we're going to start hanging it out a little bit. You know, we want to look cool for the helicopter. It's not really like what's happening as they're not capturing that emotion of like, you know, blowing yourself out and having this issue where you just went the wrong direction for two kilometers and now you've just lost, you know, 20 minutes or all this kind of stuff, or you just had an issue with your bike that now you have to fix and no oh man, your race is over. Oh my gosh. Like the, the world's ending, but I, you got to keep going on and all of this kind of stuff. And then the next day something happens to anyone else and you're right back in the hunt and you're all, you know, and all of a sudden your emotions change every single minute. Like you that have to, shit would get so like <laughs> overwhelming if you aren't on top of it, huh? It's, it's like, being on top of it is one thing, but just like being able to process it, Mm. you know, you see that a lot with, with either the next generation, as we were talking about, or just newer people coming into the sport, they always come in. I want to win. Yeah. So So we all all want to, you know, but we, the, the people who have done a couple of these things also know that every single day you got about four hours of racing or more that something can change that. You can either have a bitch in time and you nail the navigation and everyone else gets it wrong or everyone else got it right and you got it wrong or you clipped a little rock and you went down and or like every single day there's thousands of instances that will drastically change the 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 event and it doesn't matter how good you are sam just went virtually undefeated for a whole year he won the dakar he won abu dhabi he just like went on this like gnarly rampage of winning and won the world championship comes into Dakar as the previous champion and like top of his game fully fit day one crash just hit a rock in a wash yeah not that he was pushing too hard and whatever he's a smart racer obviously he's proved it he's been in the sport forever it's just you know sometimes you clip a rock yeah it's just and then like goes to Abu Dhabi and breaks his foot first day as well yeah first day training like god dude like how do you how do you like handle that as a person? Yeah. You just went from the highest to highs and now the lowest to lowest. Yeah. And you still gotta like put the helmet on. You gotta recover. You gotta come back. And then the next rally, you gotta be like, All right, well, we're gonna take this one day by day and just get through it, things like that. Kevin Benavides just won the Dakar. One of the fastest dudes, most talented dudes out there, on a flat 
I don't even know how this happened, by the way. I was, he was riding right Were behind me. Were you there? I, he was riding right behind me. I literally came back around on the test loop, and I, Toby was there waving his hands like, oh, this is not uh. good. And it, on a flat corner, he was just going on a corner and whatever and just caught a rut wrong, and it just wap, wap, and just spit him off the bike. Femur. Fuck. Like, ha, dude, it doesn't matter how good you are. The desert doesn't care. Bro, I've been learning that. <laughs> dude, I had another big one yesterday. No, dude, another <laughs> one. <laughs> I just got, oh, those drops, man. Just those uh, yeah. big sand drops. Like I was in, I missed my shift from fourth to third. Mm. And then I landed going not Bort. far. And it's from bought. And then the, the shock, I got my new bike mm-hmm. and the shock's too soft and like too rebound. Like I think it needs like, a service you know yeah so the rebound just so a combination of bike bogging and a pogo rear end and i was fucking on my head again and i'm like are you serious bro like what is going on dude yeah the desert doesn't give a fuck dude it doesn't care it's so gnarly and specifically the dakar it has a funny way of telling you that you are not who you think you are <laughs> that's such a good quote bro. Like, <laughs> you ain't the man like, yeah exactly and it, it it just it will prove it to you no matter if the second you come in there thinking that you got it handled it will prove to you that you don't <sighs> like it literally just you have to just that's why i like i'm fortunate to have had those experiences because you know now having this mentality even on the factory team yes there's a uh, expectation there that i need to win they expect us to win. That's the point of being a factory racer. But in the Dakar, I know that it doesn't matter what you ca- what, what must be just so humbling. Yeah, and it is, and and I feel like that's why I've been able to appreciate or or I guess enjoy this whole process now is because it's like yeah, I am supposed to win and I want to win. I'm going to do my best every day, but also I'm going to probably look around a little bit because Mm. you know i might not be able to come ride through this area again like in 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 saudi this year we were uh racing up through this uh city called alula and when you look at pictures and stuff you're like oh wow that's pretty cool like these big giant rock formations all red rock and red sand and all this looks really beautiful and stuff but i cannot express to you how incredible it was like we're coming in, we, we came from the, the refueling even before this, but at the refueling, we're looking into this just like death cloud, like for sure it's going to rain on us. And then we get up close to it and it's like hanging over all these giant rock formations. I live next to Zion, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. like the most beautiful yep. place on the world, I think. So and you've then, got a reference point. Yeah. And then I'm ra- racing through this stuff that's just massive, like these huge giant rock formations that I'm like whoa like i catch myself going whoa all the time when yeah. i'm racing through there and then the the clouds are hanging uh just just at the tops of them so it's kind of like dark and gloomy but it's still like super vibrant and then everything's green because it's been racing th- or it's been raining through there see the desert that's normally just barren and gross is green and like all these different colors are contrasting and stuff and we're on wet dirt which is like the dream yeah you know and i i i rode through there and i was just like i just started laughing yeah i was like i'm I'm in second place at the time like physically i'm trying to chase down you know trying to catch up to the opener and i'm like uh, taking my time to like look around i'm like and then i actually started getting emotional because i'm like how like when is anyone ever gonna like have an experience like this and you go th- living in us everything is closed down 
protected. We don't go, you know, you're going to ruin the environment on doing whatever you're doing. And we're racing through a place. I was like, there's no way if this was in us, this would be open. Like, this is the most beautiful thing ever. It's so insane. I get to ride my dirt bike through it. Like, you know, I started getting emotional. I'm like, dude, this is the most cool, like this is the coolest experience ever. And I get to do it and I get to pay, get paid to do it. You know, and it, it's just like, it, oh, dude, like rally has, has opened up like this whole new side of me that I, I felt like was getting shut off. Like people yeah. talked about getting burnt out or whatever. And then, you know, you're okay. Well, you know, if this is what you want, you need to work for it and getting burnt out. is just you being a pussy and all this kind of stuff or whatever. But like racing in Baja, it, like you say, it comes down to who has the money to go spend and time available to go down there and spend a month of pre-running and cutting in their own lines. So it doesn't matter like how many times you ride the race course, you can make your own. You know, if the race course is blown out here and you go a hundred meters over to the left and you cut in a line through the trees that's full gas and then you hide that. So only you know about it. So you could be like putting in this hero of a ride and you get off the ride and you're like, yeah, sick. And you got passed by someone you didn't even see. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, ah it's just such a freaking punch yeah yeah. you know and that kind of stuff just started eating away at me because i'm like dude i know i like i'm capable as a rider that i can do well here and i'm just getting my doors blown off because it's just not raw in that that lets you showcase that whereas you go into the rally in somewhere like saudi where it's just it is the definition of raw yeah yeah and nobody knows where they're going yeah everyone's seen the roadbook roadbook for the first time yeah at the same time yeah as you're seeing it it doesn't matter how fast you are. You can be the biggest gangster on a motorcycle ever. And you go out there and you put a road book in front of your face and sometimes it just doesn't translate. Yeah. There's some of the fastest dudes I've ever seen that have tried rally and they just it just doesn't compute. Yeah. So you have to be able to navigate. You got to be able to read and focus on the terrain. You got to be able to be fast. You got to be like the reading terrain is such a huge part of it. it oh, and at the speed, man. Yeah. Like got, it's so hard, dude. Yeah, so there's so many different aspects, and then the 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 mental toughness of it. You yeah. know, you have to just you, it just rained on you, and it's zero degrees outside or 32, uh, and you're freezing cold, and it's two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, and now you have to race. You're like you got to get your head in the game, and then you got to go four hours on on like all of these different types of aspects you got the road book you got yourself you got the bike you got the terrain in front of you you got all this kind of stuff that you have to piece together and then you have probably probably some issues during that day that you're yeah, gonna have yeah. to like shake it you off know, shake it off yeah. you gotta keep going yeah. you know you can't get angry about it it is what it is all right like don't make the mistake as you're as you're moving forward things like this like you know there's so much different stuff that's just so raw like you say like that, that you'll never, f- I don't think I've ever raced a, you know, a hare and hound or whatever and all this kind of stuff and just felt like this, like it's you and the machine and the road book. There's other people out there racing, but yeah, but they're almost like inconsequential. It's just you. Yeah. Like it's, it, this one's on you, how well you can do, you know? And, and I like that aspect of racing so much. It lit this fire. I was so burnt out. Like, oh man, every single weekend I got to go to the race. And it's not really like, like making that step. Mm. I'm not seeing a benefit from it. And then you go to Baja. All right, this is going to be the one. And it's the same kind of feeling. And then you race rally and I didn't care. Mm. Like, yeah, I want to make the step. But I was just like, this is like the first time I put a road book in front of my face. And it, 
like the, the, the navigation starts clicking, you make the turn. You're like, Oh, that was right. Yeah. The yeah, next turn, yeah, yeah. That was right. And then you just like, this is sick. Like, this is cool. I don't know where I'm going, but I do like, yeah, I have, yeah. you know, things like that. It's just like, it was so much fun. And then I'm like, I, then I did my first rally and it's actually funny too. I have it on GoPro. I'm racing the rally and I go up to the top of the dune in Sonora and I stopped and I went, whoa. And I just stopped on top of the dune in the middle of the race. And I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and that, that year, uh, Scott Bright, he wanted to win the rally and it's me and him going back and forth. It's my first time ever riding. He's a, you know, he's done the Dakar before and he's a veteran and all that kind of stuff. I was faster, but he was much better at racing rally. So I would go, you know, I catch up to him and I'm bad and then I get lost. I figure it out and I come back and I catch back up to him and you just go like this and I buy and then I get lost again and I come back. That's hilarious. And then it he got sick of that. So next time it happened, he stopped. He's racing the race and he stopped and he goes, Why did you make that? He starts coaching me in the middle of the race. He goes, Why are you doing that? No, see, look at this. Bah, okay, now you go this way. All right, go on. Take it easy. Go slower. And he's like coaching me. That's pretty cool. He's trying to win the race. I'm, a, I'm his competitor and he's trying to help me do better. Like it, like that kind of thing in the sport is what I love. Yeah, you know? it, it seems like the uh, so like if you go motocross for mm. example, then it's so competitive. It's mini dads fighting each other. It's secrets. It's this engine guy. Like, dude, I was in America being around mechanics, and then you'd get some private privateer engine builder that he had all the secrets and you know like oh, i would never go work for a factory team i know more than them <laughs> and then you've got the suspension dude that's got the setting and it's yeah. like everyone's got like that level of ego yeah and then you go to like a gncc and it's like that's wound back a little bit mm. but it's still there yeah. and then you'll go to like baja and it's like well it's kind of still there but it's like in a different way but there's more of a community and mm -hmm. everyone's kind of hanging out but it's like the further off road you go <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it's like dakar that's like the example of like everyone knows that the stakes are so high and the risks are so gnarly and it's like people can't help but help each other out because you all know how fucked up what you're trying to do actually yeah. is you know no and I, like when you see that kind of stuff like at abu dhabi we're all hanging out there competitors honda ktm yep. Yep. husqvarna it everyone, was cool to see dude we're all just hanging out telling jokes we're all buddies you know and we're all out there we want to win and we're going to be we're, we're going to push hard but at the same time too like yeah you, you want to make sure everyone's safe you yeah. want to make sure the people are like okay and taken care of and mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and like you learn this throughout off road, like you're never gonna leave someone that's injured on the side too, no matter what happens. Doesn't matter how what no, it's no race is more important than a life. Yeah, like period. There's no question. You stop and help, and that kind of goes, you know, along with any type of race. But you know, that sense of camaraderie within the sport too is something that I enjoy so much because mm. that was one thing that I struggled with in Baja is I'm going out there and I'm learning out there on my own. I don't have a, a Bruce Ogilvie or Johnny Campbell to show me the ropes, teach me the right way to do it. This is how you pre-run. This is how you, you know, make the lines. This is how you do things. I was just figuring it out. So I was kind of being an idiot. Like I just didn't know how to do it. I was making dumb mistakes because I didn't know any better. And so the other guys out there would be like, ah, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's an idiot and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. 
Coffee. Yeah, you like I do. I don't know what I'm doing out here. I'm just doing the best I think I can. You guys got shown how to do this. I didn't. I didn't. And that was like a hard thing for me. Is like these guys are kind of talking crap and like like clowning on you. In a sense. Yeah, clowning on me. And I'm like, dude, uh, you know. And and they're thinking of it like if I show or if I give away my advice or I give away my experience, then you know it, it, it's like I don't know. I don't. I don't view racing as I want to be better than everyone else i want to know the information and i don't want you to know it yeah yeah that's kind of how it was in baja is like i know how how to do all this kind of stuff and i'm not going to share that information with you because that gives me an advantage there's a obviously like racing craft and things like that that's important all you know also within rally but for instance like if there's a, a person who's interested in learning rally and they can become better than me i don't see a problem with this I want to be a racer because I'm, or uh, I want to be a champion because I became champion, not yeah. because I withheld information. You something other people didn't. Right. Like if someone can be better than me, yes, yeah. that <laughs> makes the racing that much more fun. That's why it's so fun that the racing's well, so and close. Especially now. when it's so hard. Like I, I always say this to people, and like I get asked all the time about like, oh, what should I, you know, should I start a podcast? I've got this idea, and I'm like, man here's all the info this is what you do this is how you do it because it's like this is so hard to make a living out of that if you can do it like bravo dude yeah like, like, good on you man because like i find this very difficult to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like with racing anywhere if 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 you show up to a race and you won that race by 20 minutes because nobody else showed up how sweet is that feeling Mm. it's much sweeter if you show up to a race and there's tw 10 other guys 15 and other guys the and they're all gnarly mm. and it's just a freaking drag out battle to the finish and you won you're like yeah like how much sweeter is that feeling it's hard work it was gnarly it was such a sick race good battles stuff like that that's racing and i think like if you can coach the next generation or people to come up and be better or be as good or whatever and have those tight races i think that's what's important that's what racing is and i think that's what's making rally so much more interesting to watch too is like yeah it's a yeah. battle it's it is sick. so gnarly now <laughs> it's sick and you got to be on your a game so it's just like that much more of that that extra level of challenge they're changing rules on us all the time too so it's like you mm. know this everyone's experiencing this for the first time so it's just whoever interprets it better yeah and does a better job or what gets more lucky or whatever it is and you know and then you still have people like toby who's been in the sport for longer than most and he, dude he's not slowing down like he that's the thing like you see in motocross and supercross some guys start to get a little bit older they start slowing down the young kids start kind of taking over or whatever they're not just not really hitting their marks and stuff like that it's not like that in rally yeah like you can be good for a long and, time until you're 40 yeah no it's it's, it's not Tobes is just a freak though dude he is a freak he needs to be studied it's like it actually blows me away <laughs> like the food he eats the amount that he doesn't train and he's just a fucking savage like even he finished the stage the other day and then does a four kilometer wheelie yeah i know yeah. <laughs> and literally all you guys just sit there being like well don't expect me to do that yeah i know i rode i back off i'm like i'm not even gonna go for it i'm not even try dude when he finished the last stage because that's the thing like you know he's not ashamed of it by any means he's he doesn't 
really train that much. Like he goes on mountain bikes and stuff and does things that he enjoys to do, but you know, you're no, probably not going to find him in a gym. No. And he'll go ride his dirt bike and stuff like that. He comes out and he trains with the team and you know does that kind of aspect. But he's not really like putting in that that motocross mentality of like we're on the bicycle, we're in the gym, we're like training, we're eating super healthy. He's coming in at the finish of the stage. He's gonna get himself a chocolate milkshake. Yeah. You know, he's just gonna he's gonna enjoy his life. Yeah. He's not gonna like not eat the bread. Yeah. He's gonna eat the bread. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. He's just gonna enjoy it, and then he's gonna go out there and he's gonna wax everyone. My favorite video is in peru sam is riding down the beach oh that's you one know, of the best videos of all time. it's so sick sorry he, sam sam's just like working and he looks like he's going so fast and you're like oh this is sick and all of a sudden toby just comes walking right by him sitting down not even like sweating and it's so cool to watch toby too because you can see the the difference i say this to him but chubby dudes will find the easiest way to do it <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> and that's why Toby's so good because he's not working as hard as anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Watch him do the prologue. He'll go out there and shave off four seconds on everyone else. And you, and you could just watch the bike's just doing its thing underneath him. He's just like giving it a little guidance with the throttle. And he's just saying, yeah, the bike's going to do this and I'm not going to work very hard. And I'm going to go four seconds faster than everyone else. Like, it's like, dude, yeah. it's such a, it, it, that's what I mean. He needs to be studied because He's not training. He's not really like got the athlete diet, things like this, but he's just waxing everyone. And then he comes in at the finish line of the, uh, of Abu Dhabi. We had opened the stage before, so we're losing quite a bit of time. So he like took himself off of kind of podium t contention. The only thing you have to do is go as fast as you can. And he went like a minute faster than me per 100 kilometers. And I'm going pretty much what I thought was as fast as I could. Really? So this is on that final day? On that final yeah, day, yeah. he came in and he's putting a minute to me. So we go from the whole Dakar and I'm essentially on like the same pace. And then all of a sudden it comes that switch of like, you have to go as fast as you can in order to get on this podium. I'm going, I'm like, all right, this is the risk that I want to take. I'm going, I'm pushing hard or whatever. And then I come into the finish line and he went two minutes faster than I did. And he landed on the podium because of it. And 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 then he takes his helmet off. He's pretty like wiped out, you know, just massively put in an effort and sculled a Red Bull. <laughs> just like, just opened the hatch and poured the whole thing down, crushed it, threw it on the ground. Well, I was dude, like, the, what? the day before when you guys finished pretty much at the same time, the crew's there and like we're, I haven't, I, dude, I haven't seen Tobes in fuck, man, I couldn't even tell you. And uh, we're like, hey, mate, how you going? He's like, yeah, 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 I'm good. And then team's got like a hydrolyte water bottle, a water, and a Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, he like smashes a Red Bull, and then they're like, you want some water? He's like, nah. Nah. Dude. You want some electrolytes? Nah. He doesn't race with water. Yeah, like what? all, some of the guys out there will drink three liters before the refueling. Toby will come in and just drink like two bottles of water, no electrolytes. He doesn't really eat anything at the at the stages like a lot of these guys have full packs they got all their nutrition that they have to eat all this kind of crazy stuff like he won't even start the race with water he'll just be like he puts the water bag in there because it's a, a, requirement, a requirement but he won't drink it it's so weird it's eh? crazy like i drink i don't drink probably enough water and i eat a little bit and stuff i'm not as like crazy as the other guys like some of the smaller dudes they they rely on that nutrition. oh you look at like sam sunderland bro like sammy's just fucking shredded fit. dude yeah like just a super fit like you can see him just pounding motos like you just 
to the T, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's like same with Kevin and Luciano. Yeah. They're like they are Athletes. the yeah. They're the definition of what a, a, a motorcycle athlete needs to be, and then you know, and they. But that's the thing is like they rely on that nutrition and things like they have to be able to have all that kind of stuff in order to operate. And Toby's just like, meh. Well, I think that, that I mean, there, there's there would be some psychology to it. I remember. Sure listening to a thing that john jones said after he'd been busted for drugs and all the shit that he went through not saying toby's doing drugs no. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but he would basically say that like a week before every title fight in the ufc he would go and get loaded just bender of just drugs and alcohol and just just sending it so that he had a built-in excuse when he lost uh... and it's like that bought out greatness like if you if you were to sit and have the conversation with him you'd go fuck bro probably not the move eh? like you know it's probably an easier path to just Mm. put all of the doubts out of your mind and to you know to just go in there fresh and like do that sam sunderland or benavidez approach of like be the athlete be in the right but then it's like you know that putting yourself as the underdog putting yourself in that hole and I, i think that you know there's probably a little bit of that in Tobes where it's like he almost it feels more comfortable to give himself the out of like well I don't really eat that good I don't really train you know so it's I don't like, know I don't really see that it's more uh, more or less like a like an out I see of it I, I see it like look we're gonna risk our life out there and we're gonna like go for this win I might as well be happy might as well be happy while I'm doing it yeah you know like and that's the thing too like I think he knows deep down that his all is is going to be enough. faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and he's lived he's lived every single different pathway of being a professional racer. He's been skinny and fit and had success there, and he's been you know a little bit husky, more husky uh, uh, <laughs> in his program, and then he still has success. Yeah, and he goes yeah. down to the wire at the Dakar, and he you know. Uh, all that kind of stuff in fact like to touch on that too the the Dakar he lost by 43 seconds he had to turn around and go back for a waypoint he went he, he says a kilometer extra to do a waypoint and lost by 43 seconds so and he should have won that's why he was so like yeah. sour about it he yeah. came into the finish and he was like really bummed out I'm like dude you just finished second like yeah. it's all right it's all good he was so sour about it because they play all these games and like just you know it's it was just it was a tough pill to swallow because you go out there and oh, you push yeah, that hard man. or whatever and that's like where i think he was he wasn't angry about losing he was angry about like it came down to a technicality that he like they had these tiny little radiuses on the waypoints that you have to hit and he missed one had to turn around and go back and get it and that's yeah. why he lost it wasn't because he didn't go fast enough, yeah because yeah. he just went yeah. on the inside of a corner and things like this so like you know with that kind of frustration and and mentality and all that kind of stuff and and knowing that you go going up against kevin who is you know like sam work just so it just dialed. so dialed yeah and then you still know that if you give your all you can be better yeah like that kind of mentality i think brings that a little bit more of that i i i remember like a uh, uh, travis pastrana says it as soon as he started uh, training and went slower yeah you yeah. remember that yeah I think that's a kind of same thing. And it's a bummer that 
like you know that in this sport unfortunately because of the Ryan Dungies and because of the Sam Sunderlands and because of the the guys that do have it so dialed and dot every I and cross every T that as soon as you try and be Toby and as soon as you try and be yourself it's really looked down upon yeah like really and it hurts you mm. career wise and it's like you can't you can't get through on your merits right which sucks mm -hmm. you know like that because there's no there's obviously more ways to skin a cat than just the sam sunderland benavides ryan dungy approach yeah. you know and it's like it it seems like it's not respected unless mm. you're doing that and you to you you can't sit and say that a guy would be better if he did x y and z right you know it's true and and that's one th like struggle about social media is everyone knows what you're doing yeah and so when you are constantly portraying this uh image on social media of excellence i'm always training i'm always eating well i'm doing exactly what i'm supposed to i'm representing myself well i'm not being controversial and then you have that blueprint of like you know the dungy blueprint of just like this this golden and it wins image. like and it's successful and yeah yeah, yeah. And then if you it, you know essentially if you're not portraying yourself to that same image then you're not then you're not doing it right you're not doing it right and then you got someone like Plessinger who comes out and he's you know himself he's got his doing mullet, it for doing it yeah doing it yeah <laughs> exactly you know and and stuff like that where you have you have a little bit more character and then Roxon posting things on uh instagram social media that are funny yeah you know it's not just this grind and work and everything's awesome and you know all this blueprint type of stuff he's posting himself having fun and all this kind of other stuff things that are con controversial and whatever you know i think that's what people are are wanting more and you get toby who's like that toby's mm -hmm. just himself that's all i want to be i'm just myself you know i i don't want to be this person who has perceived as something mm. i just want to be you know this this is who i am as a person you know i that's why like when i send my race reports or i do anything like that i'm gonna tell you what it is i'm not afraid to tell you if something went wrong or i didn't do good i'm not afraid to lose i'm not you know uh uh, uh disappointed or upset of if a bike breaks or if something like this happens, it's just stuff that happens. And I think that's what's interesting. I didn't like at Abu Dhabi, uh, some of the dudes cheated on the, on the prologue and cheating can be a loose term, but basically we're supposed to be going through all these posts and they would go to the inside of the post. They're cutting the corners, yeah. not by a lot, but just enough that they're not in the main blown out line they're cutting the corner, they're straight lining some things, whatever, opening the corners, going wide so they don't have to slow down as much, whatever. You know, you can easily shave 15, 20 seconds off by doing this and it's just not allowed. You're supposed yeah. to stay inside the stakes. So I myself know I did what was right, it's fine. I got smoked, you know, I had a bad prologue or whatever. And I, I didn't want to like out all these guys because you know they're my buddies as well so I didn't want to be like hey look the dude who started in front of me cheated I don't want to like be like that but was, hey look there was some drama and then you know later on or whatever if 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 there's stuff that goes down in the race that you know was not to my favor or whatever I'm gonna be honest about it yeah. that's what happened during the race and I'm gonna talk to you about it and I'm not afraid of you know whatever I'm not a perfect person 
and I don't want you to think that I am and I want you know the 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 sport to be perceived as what it is and myself to be perceived as what I am like yeah. I I think that's the cool thing about social media and now with rally being more popular is it's what people want to know for sure they people, do dude. people don't just want to see the wheelie on on Instagram they want to know what's happening out there you know and uh you know post on instagram or whatever like say with toby or whatever he's out testing the trucks and he's doing this kind of stuff and he's whatever and it's like you know not this blueprint style and then you got the other dudes that are posting the blueprint style and then you know ricky's out racing race cars and enjoying his life on the on the lake and some other stuff like this like that's what you want you want character in 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 the sport and i think that's important because dude toby is arguably the most famous dude out here period yeah he's like one of the most famous dudes in australia yeah straight up and like to have him as that like respected famous because he's just a good dude it doesn't matter he can have his times where he's like frustrated and upset as everyone does whatever he gets a little bit kind of feisty but he's just a straight up good human for every single person that i do we're in kazakhstan again Randomly, people know who he is. Yeah, that's wild. Just eh? r- like hanging out in a hotel lobby, and you got a, a a family with like three little kids, and they come up and they're like from Greece or some this somewhere, and they're like, "Toby Price, can I get a photo?" Everywhere we go, he's got to stop and take photos, and we joke around about it too. We were actually trying to run back one day at Dakar, and he's like, we "We're trying to get back for, before the rest of the team." So we're like hustling. He's like, guarantee you I get stopped to take a photo. 10 seconds later, some dude came up. Hey, dude, can I get a photo? I'm like, dude, we're going to miss out. Like we have to go, you know, things like that. But it doesn't matter. It does not matter the time, the place, who it is, what it is, what's going on, whatever. He takes the time. He's going to stop. He's going to chat with you. He's going to take the photo. He's super friendly and nice. Like that's all it is. That's him as a person. And I think like that kind of level of, uh being open and being who you are as a person all that kind of stuff is so necessary and it's so much more like as you say that i mean yeah you're you're so right and as you say that too it's like damn like if you're ktm you kind of almost want the dude that's relatable right it's like you're you're trying to sell bikes to people that are normal (laughs) and then it's like you've almost got this that's the appeal of toby is it's like he's fucking fat <laughs> like <laughs> just he, a normal and then dude he's like, and then the guy on the couch is like oh, I'm fucking fat <laughs> you know what I mean and like that's an exaggeration Toby's not fat but it's like you know he's so much he is such like a relatable character and you know like the the whole zip tie thing yeah you know like zip tie and the, there's just there's not many guys that are just gonna pull that off right you know do what he did with that kind of scenario and i think you're the same as well like i feel like you're the you're a guy that you know like meeting you it's like you're this super nice super likable like you could be working at a tire pro you know what i mean (laughs) or a jiffy loop like you could just be the nicest guy that i like bump into a jiffy loop (laughs) that changes my oil and then i leave and i'm like man that guy with the mustache was a good dude and it's like we that's kind of as a manufacturer like 
race results are one thing but it's like to have these marketable characters mm. that people can relate to and and you know get on board with same with ricky like he's a, he's like every american kind of like he's the dude you yeah. know like he's the, he's like an american dude yeah. that american dudes would want to be like yeah and, and they're cool people to have in the sport yeah no it's it like i said it's now being a factory rider also going through like even current scenarios past scenarios and things like that it's also made me realize who i am yeah and like and i who said you're not probably and who i'm not it like and and like i said earlier like oh i'm a fast dirt bike rider you owe it to me like i expect this out of that like no we're actually an employee yeah. we're, you know that we're, we're hired to do a specific job win races market motorcycles sell motorcycles and be a brand ambassador it's what we're supposed to do and if you're not doing that kind of stuff or if you think all of a sudden that you're like oh do i want a big race so yeah. that means that i deserve all this and i can treat people differently now or whatever just like that kind of stuff just i don't it doesn't compute to me i don't understand it because yeah. at the end of the day it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from what you do for a living all that kind of stuff it takes zero effort time money whatever to just be nice to people and i've i've encountered that with a lot of different people even within rally i mean i i think we we're you know rally is probably one of the nicer sports within everyone but uh you know i encounter that all the time where specifically uh, you know people are are not going to respect you if, if you haven't achieved a certain goal you know if, oh you're brand new you haven't really pro proven yourself so you don't really deserve my respect yet and it's like no dude everyone's a human yeah yeah you nice know, uh, and and or, or I don't know, just any of that kind of stuff. Oh, you're a cameraman, so I, I don't really need to talk to you. You got your job to do, but I'm busy. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to take the, the picture today. I don't want to do the interview. I, that person's just trying to do their job, you know? You have things like that where it's just like, dude, you need to take the time. Do the photo shoot. Oh, man. I got to wake up early and I got to go do turns on a dune. God, it's such a pain in the butt. I got to ride two, uh, an hour to get to the photo shoot spot. God, why is this so... Like, you signed up for this. Yeah what do you mean you could be sitting at a desk like you could be sitting in traffic and you're complaining that you have to go take photos on a motorcycle or that you have to do an interview stuff like that that i was just like dude what yeah like that that perspective that i have now i'm just like no i get to do this yeah and i think that that's probably the that's the thing you know like you were telling me that obviously like the story to get to that factory ride and that's just like it's such a punish until you do get to where you want to be and then that thing that was a liability mm. or felt like a liability for the last five six years of going broke and trying to do it on your own and going through all of those experiences they end up becoming the thing that becomes your biggest asset mm. when you get to that point you know it's like so I love what Sammy Sunderland, he always goes, I'm just grafting, I'm doing the graft. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. that's that shit. Like, and it's the same in, in everyone's life. Like whatever it is you're doing, it's mm -hmm. like the, the pain that you're going through now, the graft that you're going through now is just going to be an asset. Like yeah. you're stacking chips, you that's know? And it. it's, it's like, now you get to have this perspective mm -hmm. that will probably give you a really long career in rally you know that's what i'm hoping for as far as i want success as 
a person just for my own like personal satisfaction i do want to win because i want to win yeah. not because someone else wants me to but i want to win i want that that's the goal of mine and i want to go win the dakar that's a dream but also you know results also are the reason why we get to keep doing it if you're yeah. producing results you get to keep racing so that's also a reason why i want to do well is because i want to do this you know, like we were saying earlier, like when are you going to get the opportunity to go through these crazy countries yeah. and experience stuff like that? I feel like that is, is, you know, a, such an important part of this experience in my life is, you know, a lot of the other guys are, are looking at this as like, dude, no, the whole point of this race is for me to go and win. Yeah. At, you know what? A lot of this, this race and the point of it is, to go and experience it yeah you can definitely lose perspective of yeah. that and it's like an easy thing to happen i think that's one thing that yeah I, I just don't see is gonna happen with with you just based on you know what what you've been through but fuck i guess it's easy to say now you know yeah <laughs> yeah but i think that with everything that you've been through like that's probably going to be a huge ace in up your sleeve the mm -hmm. whole time you know yeah i think the 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 mentality of enjoying what you're doing is a is a really powerful asset yeah just if you just because everyone likes riding dirt bikes you have some days on the dirt bike that you are not having fun dude for real like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah like and but you're also gonna have days at dakar like that where you're just like dude it's just a struggle yeah and you got to get through it and things like that like you know there, there are gonna be days that you're not having fun and you know whatever and i get it but if you at the end of the day when you look back and you just get to enjoy what you do and you enjoy the you know such a cliche thing enjoy the process and yeah. things like that but when you do and you can see where it leads and like obviously you need to have those little glimpses of success yeah yeah you know going and racing the local round and winning and giving you that extra like motivation and and uh, uh confidence that's important to have for sure because if you're just grinding and you never have any little glimmer of success you'll just beat yourself down yeah like and that's what i felt like i was doing too just digging, yeah you were there just digging a hole deeper and deeper and so yeah when you do start having the success is where it really like i mean if you would have talked to me a couple of years ago probably would not have the same mentality because i was you know i hadn't had that that flash of light yeah yeah there's no know? proof of concept yet. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, you know because yeah, yeah. that's the hard thing too that you 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 can always look at in there's motivational quotes and motivational people all over the place and they're always just like yeah keep grinding it's always darkest before the dawn oh, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah, keep yeah. pushing or you know all that kind of stuff but you know do at the time I did not see it. Yeah, I was not like, dude. What? What are you? What are you talking about? And I kept telling myself, like, oh, it's pretty dark, dude. Like, <laughs> dawn must be coming. And then, like, another year goes by, and you're like, ah, bro, when's that dawn coming? Yeah, this would be a long ass night. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it, uh, you know, funny. my mentality now and talking and saying, like, oh yeah, no, just all this. Yeah, but cool you've lived stuff. it, you know. Like you, you're saying it now from like experience. Yeah. But it's, it's tough, like it's tough to, to keep pushing. Cause that's the other thing too that I've said before is I'm not here because I was the fastest person. I didn't achieve this because of, yeah, like sh my sheer results or all that kind of stuff. I'm here because I didn't give up, you know? And like we, like we talked about earlier, like I didn't want to have that 
that mentality or that uh, that thing in my brain. It's like, man, I could have been great if yeah. I would if I would have just tried a little bit harder. And that's where I like I struggle with now too, like with training and all that kind of stuff. It's like, man, what, what, yeah, yeah. What if I what if I if I work a little bit harder, run, yeah. you know, things like that. And so, but so like yeah, that whole thing of like you know if you have because there's also the other side of it too that if if you don't have it like you got you kind of have to have it if you if if you just grind out riding a dirt bike and you're consistently like you know mid pack in the c class well <sighs> dude you're so right man me me and anna were like literally just having this conversation yesterday it's like there's there's things in your life that like you have to be honest enough mm-hmm. to to say to yourself like oh i'm just not that guy like all right my example of this i'm never going to be a professional motocross rider that was my first dream (laughs) that's what i wanted guess what i'm a fucking podcaster (laughs) you know what i mean but i said like i saw that i'm good at this Mm. like and and i think that the things that you end up being really good at are the things like it might sound weird to say but like I don't put effort into this in the way that people would think I do. Like I, I work super hard at it and I'm like got a crazy work ethic and I'm always showing up and I'm always doing it. But in terms of like this, hmm. like this is easy to right. me, you know? And it's like, you look at Toby riding a bike, like that's easy to him, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, it's hard and you've got to do these hard things. There's, there's like a, uh, there's a level at which you have to operate to be successful at anything. But ultimately, like the thing that you do, like it should be you. Like I feel like I could I could switch tomorrow and just focus the podcast on golf and it wouldn't take me that long and I'd have a really successful podcast in golf. Like mm-hmm. there's just a thing about what we're doing here that I'm like good at doing. And it's like you are riding a dirt bike and you're like good at it and that part of it is easy Mm -hmm. to you. There's all this other stuff that you've got to do that is hard and there's, you know, there's best practice you've got to follow and, you know, you've got a graph for it. But the end of the day, like you can ride the bike good enough Mm -hmm. to do it. And I think that some of the unhappiness that comes that can you know kind of enter in people's life is from not having that honest conversation with yourself and being like i mean i'm just not gonna be a famous dj mm. you know like <laughs> you look at like fisher mm. like that man i know that was the example i used like he was a pro surfer for mm. years and he was like grinding on the ct and he was making content and like he was trying to be this like he was trying to be kelly slater yeah but it's like guess what kelly slater's kelly slater yeah and then he just like switches his focus to being a dj and it's like he does that with no effort like that's his thing and it's like if you there's so much unhappiness in not having that conversation and not being like real enough with yourself and it would be the same level of unhappiness that i would feel if tomorrow i was like fuck doing the podcast Mm. you will see me at a1 in 2024 (laughs) like i would be miserable because that's not like i'm not that guy Mm. yeah that's that's super important it's really important because there's also there's there's a tough thing too i got uh i considered him like my little brother incredibly talented like just that raw talent on motorcycle that you know no matter what you're gonna win races like he just he was so good from the beginning and he decided that it just 
wasn't for him. Yeah. He just didn't want to race. And at, like looking back, I'm like, dude, dude, you just put in some effort. Like you could be great. Yeah, yeah. You could be so good. He just didn't have it in him. And well, the thing was too is he, he was good from the beginning. And then mm. he got to the point where he like he started needing to work. He needed to go to the gym. He needed to start eating right. And like he wasn't winning just sheer because he was better yeah, than yeah, everyone else. Yeah. Like he started needing to work at it. And then when he would have a bad race, he'd come in and he didn't win. People would be like, hey, what happened? Yeah. Like, why yeah. didn't you win? And he, it was hard for him. And so he realized like, hey, you know, it's it's more important for me to like live a normal life and not have to deal with that pressure of like being the best. And it's just like, it's a hard thing to, to take on because it's like, dude, you see that talent there, but there's also the mentality. And then you have the other side of it. It's like the dude's got the mentality, like, uh, you know, a, a different person. He will work harder than anyone else, but it's just, he doesn't have that switch in the brain. That's just like, you know, it's, that's he, me. He, he's, I don't have it. <laughs> well, like, like that, that, you know, I, I had this, this kid that I was trying to mentor forever. He was the thing he'd like, he'd be at the gym. He'd go riding. He'd yeah. do everything he needed to do. And for whatever reason, it just wasn't there for him to open the throttle yeah. enough, Yeah, you know? And it's just like, there, there's two different sides of it. Like you ha- kind of have to have both. Yeah. And you, there is that honest conversation of like, you know, I got fortunate enough that I got the opportunity to go to Dakar and realize that I, I could do it. Yeah. I could do it. Yeah. You know, and then you, but you also might get that opportunity or might not get the opportunity and see like, I can't, you know, this ain't for me. Or you're sitting there watching it from the outside and be like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. I'm going to do everything. And when in reality, like maybe it's not the right call for you. Like maybe. And, and the thing is, man, is that, so this is how the conversation started was like, not everyone can be great. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, I disagree. Everyone can be great. And, and I think that what, if you just take what I said before, it's like, that's me saying that not everyone can be great. I completely disagree. You just have to find the thing that you can be great at that ah, does yeah. fit you, right? Dude, how many mechanics? I know so many factory mechanics, like amazing factory mechanics, like Paul um, Parabinos. Mm. He was Dino's mechanic. Fucking ripped on a dirt bike probably not going to win an ama championship Mm -hmm. just instead of spending a lifetime of suffering not being that guy switched his focus and won like multiple championships as a mechanic and was like was perfect in that role Mm -hmm. coolest guy was like able to help his rider get into that you know the right headspace obviously had phenomenal skills as a mechanic achieved greatness like if you win a championship as a mechanic and you like you've achieved some level of greatness mitch payton greatness like got paralyzed Mm -hmm. from racing Mm -hmm. and achieved like if he went if he never had that accident and never did what he did we don't have pro circuit kawasaki Mm. we don't have a dynasty it's like i think the the real point i was trying to make before is it is like just because you're not great at this one thing that you want to be great at, that doesn't mean that you don't still have greatness in you. But it takes being honest at that moment and kind of pivoting that focus. And and as well, like, not attaching... Like, there's such a, like, a social pressure to be great at mm. something mm-hmm. that is worthy of... Like, everyone wants to... Like, dude, in my world of, like, internet and 
getting views like on the the level of views that we get on par with other channels is like you know when you're up in the millions and mm. then you just see these people like the you know you get like the Nelk boys and you get like <laughs> E-Man Gadji like there's these guys and they're just living this they're making millions and they're mm. doing and that they're selling this dream that is so like unattainable and then you peek a little bit under the hood and you find out that like they're all making their money off scams and mm-hmm. these, you know so it's like even the the things that get glamorized that you would want to be like the factory rides or the million dollar internet influencer that has the girls and is never settles down with a chick and is fucking a million million birds and is like you're getting sold this really cooked picture of what success even is and it's like you don't just have to be a factory writer you don't just have to Mm. be this famous guy on the internet like there's something special about donating your time to a like in in jiu-jitsu like some of the people that i respect the most who i would say are some of the greatest people i know as the guys that go to the gym six days a week mm-hmm. and help people mm-hmm. every single... And the level of they got a great wife, they got a great kid, they, you know, that's great. Yeah. Like, you can be such a great person mm-hmm. and you don't need the accolades. You don't need the the Instagram follow. Like, there's so much of the shit that you actually don't need yeah. to achieve greatness, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's all about focusing your attention on the right thing yeah i think that's the coolest part about dirt biking specifically is it teaches you this this level of dedication this level of discipline for sure for and because i i i had that moment too where i was like hey look i live in utah which is the capital of getting married when you graduate high school and having three kids and having a career by the time you're 25 yeah you know so Working i'm for xerox yeah and I, and i'm 25 trying to race a dirt bike and i have no real direction in life everyone's I, doubting you everyone's telling you you should be doing something different i got people my same age that are buying houses i got enough money to my name to fill up my Toyota pickup type of thing. And I'm like, I'm talking to my buddy about this, about like, Hey dude, I feel like I'm kind of behind the game here. Objectively. You feel like a loser. Yeah. And he goes, dude, I know you. And he goes, the, the discipline and dedication you have that you've learned from riding dirt bikes, no matter what you decide to do in life, you'll be able to do it. Yeah. And taking that from like, Hey, look, you, you, you put everything you had into racing you wanted to be a professional racer and you realize you know what my life could be uh equally um uh fulfilling fulfilling yeah yeah. as a mechanic yeah as uh you know this or that or whatever and you you can find that that niche and that discipline that that I, like it's hard to find it anywhere else with other than dirt biking like you find this this level of passion and dedication that will transfer over into so much stuff uh, in life that no matter what you decide yeah, yeah. to do yeah, you can be good agree. at you can be good at it yeah dude i got a friend of mine luke morrison in in oz shout out to him he uh he's like that example of that to me right so he does we do these transmoto races they're like six like eight twelve hours long right and he solos those motherfuckers <laughs> and he's like he's he does does think 
um, like he fell in a fire the night before Fink burned all of his palm and like still went out there and did it's it. It's the most like, Aussie thing I've ever heard in my life though. Dude, he's like <laughs> does bodybuilding competitions. like And so he's probably one of those guys that could have tried to do the, like the motor. I think he kind of started writing later in life, but he's just got like this insane discipline and work ethic. Mm-hmm. And he's like a fucking squillionaire from doing balustrates and like glass fencing, <laughs> you know? And because it's what you're saying, you know, it's like, he's got this work ethic and there's a, such a broad level of skill that you have to have mm-hmm. to, you know, even be a level, like a, an average level dirt bike racer, like someone that shows up and does races and competes, you know, like I think of my brother when I think of that, like he's fucking rips, bro. Yeah. Like he's so good on a bike and he goes to a race and like he pumps out motos through the week. He does his own bike. Like there's a broad level of skills and discipline that you have to have to do that. That yeah, if you move sideways into something else, like you're fucking going to be a successful dude no yeah. matter what. Yeah, it's... I don't know what it is about dirt biking specifically. Like, oh, do you spend all your money on it that you don't have your, you know, money to spend on bad decisions? Yeah, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, true. whatever. And then, like, so you just are. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. You know, and then that kind of just builds into this work ethic and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know. Like in my life specifically, and seeing like the friend, you know, my friends that I surround myself with, and all of that kind of you know thing i don't know what it is about dirt biking that brings people together and you know makes lifelong friends like as you have in the in the industry making videos you know doing whatever whatever like podcasts and all that kind of stuff like you made lifelong friends that you know i met toby we crashed dude the craziest story (laughs) yeah like how on earth did yeah, both where, of us where else are you gonna i'm gonna let you tell a story <laughs> but in what other sport do you have two guys that break their neck and back within a hundred yards of each other and then go on to travel the world and compete against and with each other you know <laughs> It's you the are most, right that does not happen in any other no, place dude it's so it's such a random story now like looking back and seeing toby's success specifically and now my recent (laughs) it's so random like so the whole story is kurt caselli had just raced the dakar rally is the direction that he's gonna go and toby and i both have a personal relationship with kurt that impacted our lives in a massive way crazy huh like kurt essentially was like seeing what toby was doing at fink was like hey look you know if there's a position open toby looks like the guy that needs to fill it and then you know kurt's going on to race rallies so uh so that leaves a position essentially open on the heron hound team or off-road ktm in general so at the time i was the top ktm rider behind kurt i was riding a ktm 300 for chris blaze and i'm like consistently finishing like fourth fifth like not on, really i've got a couple podiums but not wasn't there consistently but ivan ramirez at the time was like yeah finishing yeah like yeah 15 nicest dude dude eh? nicest dude oh ever. dude i love that guy. so he had just came over from 
from uh uh works and that kind of stuff and, yep. and trying you know his his hand so at, he used to hang out a bunch with josh strang yeah and i used to live with josh strang when i was <laughs> yes. when i was in america and he was like always around and that guy's like man i miss that dude actually. yeah i haven't thought about him in a long time he's a such a legend such a legend so he's but he, he like his results weren't, weren't really up to par yet in heron hounds so they flew toby over so it's just essentially like a battle of whoever does the best now is just kind of getting that role that he, spot on the that team. spot on the team and it wasn't really spoken but chris kind of let me know it was like hey look kurt's leaving like you're doing the best you know if you do well like you could potentially have a shot at the factory team and so i'm like okay well now i'm gonna prove it to everyone that i deserve this yeah i'm gonna go faster than all of them and do my helmet cam at that race was a shit show i was so out of control i was doing like doing kurt's documentary like there's literally a, a, a video of me passing him like wide open drilling a rock pile and almost dying like i should have gotten injured so many times before toby's there it's his first time ever right racing a national heron hound and he's like in top three right away yeah and i'm like sitting back there just a squirrel fighting for it and i'm right behind and i had just got passed actually uh so I, he was in third i was in fifth and uh come across these the this this valley and in california specifically lucerne valley it's such a sketchy place because it's just such a destroyed area yeah so they'll run you across like this big gnarly mountain super rocky and technical and then across the valley but they'll run it they'll run you cross grain so all the r water runs this way so you're just like drilling rain ruts rocks bushes everything just gnarly work to go across this but you could haul ass and if you have enough balls to just hang on to it you can make up a ton of time and you can just blast across that ain't valley. me <laughs> dude looking back now at how freaking dicey like how many risks i took was stupid anyways so I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, I got to win. Like, I got to go do well because I deserve this spot. You know, I got to whatever. Toby's just racing the race. He crashes and breaks his neck. When he, when he crashed, he got a concussion. He picked himself up and he was like leaning on the bike. And I come by bah, and I'm off the track because I'm chasing the dude in front of me. So I'm off the track trying to stay out of his dust and I'm bah, and I glance over to my left and I see him there. He's already picked himself up. So I'm like, he's not on the ground. He's not like, you know, it's not dire. So I'm not going to stop. Bah, look back in front of me. Bah, boom. Drilled a gray rock in gray dirt behind a gray bush. Like just never even say. In fact, I had to like frame by frame it to even see what I hit. Over the bars, smash, kick myself in the forehead. Like big crash. And I'm laying there and I immediately know I'm like, I'm effed. Like my back's broken for sure. But I have all feeling I'm just going to lay here. I'm just chilling. Josh Knight, who's a really good like personal friend of mine, he he's right behind me. And that's the other thing too is like I was on a two-stroke. So I'm like, I got to be the number one two-stroke rider. So Josh comes up, me and him had gnarly battles. He's on a two-stroke as well. So he stops his race and he's like, hey man, you know, I'll stay here with you and all that kind of stuff. Toby comes riding up to us. And we look at him. Josh is like, oh, did you crash too? And he goes, yeah, I don't really know where I'm at. I'm like, oh, well, you're in California. He goes, huh. Lays his bike down. He's sitting on his bike and he's going like this. He's like, yeah, my neck's kind of stiff. 
And we're like, ah, well, I mean, you seem fine. Like you got a concussion and you don't know where you're at. You don't know what you're doing, but you know, you seem like you're all right. And then he starts like walking off through the bushes just like randomly. And I'm like, Hey Josh, you should probably grab him, bring him back. And, uh, he was like out there trying to look for his GoPro. So somewhere out there in the California desert, there's a video of Toby breaking, breaking his neck, neck. (laughs) never been found yet. I don't think anyways, but, uh, anyway, so like we're literally sitting there together. They fly a helicopter in and when the paramedics get there, they see that like Toby's, you know, in a little bit rough shape, neck pain, doesn't know where he's at. What, whatever, like, Hey, this is, could be serious. Let's strap you in. I'm like, I can't afford a helicopter ride. I got no insurance that it, that's going to, I have insurance, but nothing that's going to cover this. I know what's wrong with me. I have all my feeling and all that kind of stuff. Just drive me in. So they put me into a side-by-side and I held myself up with my arms like this for 20 miles all the way back to the pits. My buddy threw, threw me in the back of my van and then drove me all the way home. Well, technically I drove to the Victorville hospital first and got an x-ray and then they're like, oh, it's a stable fracture. I'd compressed fractured my t12 l1 and l2 like yeah you'll be all right so then i went home and then toby gets to the hospital and it's like oh you like burst fractured your neck you're effed you got to be in halo with bricks hanging off the off the thing to decompress his neck to wait for surgery because you don't have like american health insurance so dude that cost him so much money bro has he told you about it well yeah he like had to sell his boat and like all of his stuff like it cost him like what is like 200 something grand or more yeah like insane plus like the heli ride the heli rides are like 50 grand or something yeah it was gnarly and then you're paying american dollars with australian dollars which that's like no lube (laughs) right (laughs) i just get an f so but what's crazy too is like so he finally goes home gets a surgery recovers comes back we come back essentially near uh, like i came back obviously a little bit earlier but then that same year, we he's supposed to race on the KTM factory team in Baja, which, you know, I'm down there in Baja with Anthony uh, De Basilio. He's like showing me the ropes. I go down there essentially as like a dude to keep him company. He's got to drive all throughout Mexico at wee hours of the night. So we need someone there to keep him company working in the workshop. But I'm like motivated. I want to help. So he's letting me help work on stuff. We're changing lights. We're doing this kind of stuff. I go testing with him and Kurt and Kendall and like all these different people. And so I'm like learning all this experience of how a professional factory team operates, how a professional mechanic works on things, all this kind of stuff. Kurt's there explaining to me how he's pre-running. He's walking me through things, like showing me the ropes at the race, like, uh, you know, all this different kind of stuff to backtrack too. Like I didn't really know Kurt for that long, but when I, my first ever pro race, I hole shotted. Well, actually he hole shot it. And then I passed him, <laughs> That's so sick. but it was the first time he came back on a back after Dakar. So he felt like he was riding a mini bike essentially. So I passed him. And from that point forward, he like kind of not took me under his wing, but he would show me a little bit of, of like respect and, and give me advice. And then after that race, when I broke my back, I hop out, I went to the next race with a buddy and I hopped out and he looks at me and goes, did you learn your lesson, superstar? And I was just like, oh, dude, like those little moments and just to see how nice of a person and good person that Kurt was. And then also to like have that, that level of like, 
you know sting to them too like yeah, yeah you know yeah, like yeah. that that's going to teach you a lesson type yeah thing. yeah but he was also doing that with with everyone you know yeah. he's just a he just was doing the same thing he wanted to help people become better people and better racers and things like that and he did it for toby he did it for me so uh you know i'm down there i'm trying to learn from him i'm i'm learning from anthony toby comes over he's a fill-in rider so he's not going to race but if someone has an issue he'll hop yeah, on the bike yeah. So he's pre-running with Kurt and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah. And then, you know, so like I, 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 I meet Toby as we break our spines together in the middle of the California desert. And the next time I see him, we're down there in Baja and Kurt passes away. You know, he has this, he has a crash down there and hits an animal. And it's like, we're both present at kind of the most defining moments of both of our lives mm. it's such a crazy i give him goosebumps again but it's like such a crazy thing because i didn't know kurt for like super deeply or for very long but what he but the impact is just massive massive yeah like it's massive and i i i i'm always repping a kurt caselli sticker and like he's still the the there's a picture of me and him side by side on a start line it's still my my profile picture on on Facebook, I have this giant uh, poster of me and him on a whole shot, like drag racing down. It's just me and him out in front. And it's like my most prized photograph and stuff like that. And I didn't really know him very, very long, but it's like he had such an impact. And yeah. I think the same for Toby. It's like yeah, yeah. he had such an impact. He got, and you know, uh, Kurt was going into rally. Toby got that that transition into rally and things like that. And it's like, I, I said it to him. He finished his second place at the Dakar. I finished third. And we're sitting there at the the final podium waiting to go. And I was like, look, dude, I don't want to be corny. Like, I know we're always joking around, busting each other's balls and stuff like that. Like, I don't want to be corny, but it's kind of like one of the most important moments of my life. Yeah. Like, that's cool. You said that like me, me, like I've looked at, up to Toby for so long. Like she's such a, like a gnarly dude. And now I get to share the podium of the biggest race and like my biggest accomplishment in life with this dude. Yeah. Like super cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and to share like what you went through with Kurt and yeah. you know, like it, it's, yeah, those moments don't come around very often, you know? And like, it's actually cool that you can be like man enough to, to like <laughs> acknowledge that, that moment, you know? Because yeah. I feel a bit of a pussy getting like, you know, no, emotional or whatever, but shit, no, 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 no. It's all good. But like, you know, with Toby and all that kind of stuff, like, yeah, we're friends, we're buddies. We bust each other's balls. It's cool to hang out with them. And you know, like, I consider him a close friend now, but you know, like it's, it's really interesting to see that dirt bikes bring you together. Yeah. Dirt bike impacts your, your life this much. And someone like Kurt, you know, such an, a legend like himself can have like a, you, you have like a small time with him, but he impacts you yeah. in that way. And then you can go on with two people that live different lives and have different scenarios, but kind of are connected then through that, through that guy. Yeah. And, and then, end up being on the podium of the biggest race in the world like such a it's such a cool thing like that i that's one that's a reason why i love doing this so much mm. like that that feeling of accomplishment is one thing but that also like all that other kind of experiences that you go through and then you get to share it with someone mm. you know he's bummed out he didn't win but I, when i brought that up he was like yeah dude hell yeah yeah He's like, this is, we come a long way from laying on the desert in California. Dude, yeah, no, it's a crazy story. Do you, do you think that, like, everyone talks about Kurt like that? 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's just, it's so rare that you will, you know, you have a guy that can have that impact. And because the trauma bonding is like a real thing Big too, time. you know, like when you go through, I think that's what, um, I think that that's just relationships in general, you know, mm. like when you go through these crazy hard times with people or something so devastating as someone, you know, like passing away and like being there for that, like that shit is so powerful, like mm. to, in bringing people together. So it makes so much sense to have that level of like feeling and emotion around something like, like that, you know? And the one thing that, like now that he has the foundation the thing with the with that whole scenario is none of us could really make sense of it mm. like none of us like a lot of the time you'd be like you, you kind of ha- have an answer yeah what, and, and that one it, just blindsides you that, that, there was no answer it's like the stars aligned for it to happen and it was just like why why yeah. like it there was it was so it was just such a crazy experience and then now that he has the foundation that's like bringing so much good to the sport and, and and like trying to bring that level of awareness to safety and all of these different kind of things that like and providing scholarships to people like the other side of the things like oh hey you're a racer but you're realizing that you know maybe i could be a computer engineer mm. ah we're okay we're going to give you a scholarship and stuff like that you know that's insane that he has a foundation now that supports that kind of things is so cool that their bikes are doing all that kind of stuff but there's a very key thing that they always say is kurt was a legend and he won so many championships and races and all that kind of stuff but almost every single time when someone talks about him they're not talking about that yeah 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 you know? so true and they say it like they have a big poster or whatever that's be remembered as a person not a racer yeah and i took that personally yeah i i i would much rather and that's why i want to in enjoy this yeah. process of racing and why i love race and rally too is because i get to see all that kind of stuff you know i want to enjoy it and yeah i want to be i want to have success as a racer and all that kind of stuff but this is like this path in my life has led me down so many insane experiences that if someone else can also have joy and and see that kind of stuff i want i want to you know I want them to have a positive experience when they come to the race, when they chat with me, when they have questions that I, that I can answer them or whatever, and they can have a positive experience. And then maybe they can take that advice or whatever it is and then go on their own path and, and experience something cool. And then, you know, like Kurt, if he, he shared that advice and shared that, yeah. that, that, kindness with me made such an impact on me to share it with someone else. Hopefully, somewhere down the line someone else will will decide that ah you know what he was nice to me i'm gonna be nice to someone else yeah and just kind of leave that down you know keep going down the line i think that's also a big reason why toby is the way he is is because you know he 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 had that kind yeah. kindness showed to him and so he shares shares it with other people as well kurt caselli has to be one of the greatest american races of all time period not just two wheels Races, yeah. like as a a dude that's pulled on a helmet and taken off on a race, yeah, he has to be up there with one of the greats. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, because you have other dirt bike racers or racers in general that just have had such a massive just a impact. Huge impact. And okay, he went, you know, like 
virtually undefeated national heron hounds and stuff that was the other crazy thing too when i was racing heron hounds when he showed up everyone just expected him yeah you were just right we're racing for second second place (laughs) you know and that like to to have that dominance and then still be like a humble person too like that's what makes it that's the best quality in a person dude like and to have that impact you see all the photos 90% 90% of the photos of Kurt's got his helmet off or whatever, he's handing out trophies to kids or he's like shaking a kid's hand or whatever, posing for a photograph or whatever with, you know, trying to just show love and support to the younger generation and all of that. And it's just like, like he knew the role that he was playing, mm. you know? And, and I think that's so important. As, Dude, yeah, that's such a like good way to say it. Well, and just as racers to know the role that you're like, you got eyes on you. Yeah. You got social media is one thing, but you got eyes on you all the time. And like, you got to want to accept it yeah, as dude, well like, because it's like heavy, heavy lay the crown, you know? Yeah. Like when you're that guy and you're the one everyone's looking at and it's like, it takes such an extra effort to be as good as he was on the bike, but then it's like, it almost takes as much effort to do the rest of the stuff too. Mm. You know, like you've got to want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it to to have his level of success and be that like gnarly of a dude on a bike, dude, he's just so good. I watch his videos all the time. Still, like yeah, oh yeah, That's all the time. So I'll sick. sit on the rowing machine or whatever, and I'll just sit there and have a, like a video of him playing or whatever, just because it's like, dude, he because I, I saw this too. Uh, someone said like about Tomac, he doesn't mm. have the perfect technique sometimes he bulldogs it through sometimes his feet aren't in the right spot you know things like that maybe he's not moving the right way but he's just good yeah yeah. it's kind of the same thing with kurt yeah sometimes you watch kurt and like his feet are out some things he just smashes into a corner or whatever and he's hanging on to it and gets a little loose or whatever and all that kind of stuff but he's just so good you know and i watch all that too like when i'm riding because so many people can get caught up with that fact of like being perfect yeah yeah just you know, I got a, my buddy Trace and who's, I grew up, I've, he's always been better than me at everything my whole life. He's like, you know, he's always had like four years more and I watch him ride and like we ride trials together and all that kind of stuff. But he could still right now come off the couch and be like, he'll give me a run for my money. Like he's just gnarly dude on a motorcycle, but he's just feet her out sometimes on his heels yeah, flat-footed yeah, yeah. you know bouncing like, off every hole yeah every just rock. letting her rip and so good just yeah, so yeah. good and that's kind of like the thing with you know with kurt is when you watch him ride and you watch all those videos and stuff he's just hitting his marks and with toby too he's just kind of letting the bike do his thing you know he's sometimes a bulldog it through and sometimes he's like really finessing it and it's like just poetry emotion and all that kind of stuff and then you know he's just letting it do letting it do its thing and then he pulls his helmet off at the end of the day and he's just yep that was a great time like had a great race whatever even if he didn't win or whatever and you know the drama do I, I i watched some some pretty dramatic events like came down to the championship win or whatever and he was just like hanging back yeah yeah, situation's gonna unfold. Whatever, I'm gonna be nice to people. I'm gonna shake their hand. I'm gonna take a photo. I'm gonna be, you know, a kind person. Whatever, and then he's just gonna shred on the bike, and he's gonna go undefeated. And he's like, it's like such a role model, like such a such a incredibly good person. Yeah, to just look up to and like have 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 that as kind of like a mentor and like 
be fortunate enough to have had advice given to me by him and things like that. Like, dude, it, it like, I don't, I don't have an answer for why, like I, I am so, I feel so connected when I just had such a short, you know, experience with him, but it's like it impacted my life in such a massive way, you know, and, and I've had other people that have shown me like great kindness and all that kind of and stuff. And it just but didn't hit as gnarly as with Kurt. Yeah. Like do I, I, I take his, the stuff that he taught me. He taught me a, a important thing. Uh, every time you throw a leg over the bike, it's a business decision. Yeah. Yeah. He taught me that right after I'm sitting there in my turtle show with a, a, a back brace on. And he goes, every time you throw your leg over a bike, it's a business decision. Is that that decision you make at that time? if you go wide open full gas through the dust or whatever you make that decision could that change your race could that change the outcome of the championship could that change your life you have a choice to make every time you throw a leg over the bike mm. and waiting for those right moments to yep that now's the time to take the risk there's times that i watched him like when when i even got the spot on the team uh, Ivan went and lived with Kurt and like became a, just a weapon, mm. you know, it's just start going gnarly, became a champion right away. And Kurt would like, uh, Ivan would get the, the whole shot and Kurt would just chill second place, the whole race. Ivan would lead out the whole race a mile from the finish, risk it, bah, put in a, a pass, whatever, win the race, you know, things like that. Business decision. Yeah. 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 I'm fine with chilling back here. I don't, you, you don't have to lead the whole race. You just got to lead the last like two feet. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Like, so it's, you know, those kind of, those small moments, it only took five minutes of this time, but it impacted my life in a massive way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, it's like, you know, you say like, oh, you just can't make sense of it. But I think that there's, there's sometimes people that like they, they pass away young and they leave with so much more on the table that you like know that they could have achieved but then and I, I don't know it's like weird to say it um but it's like you get a guy like kurt he got immortalized yeah like he he passed away but he got immortalized at the same time yeah. it's like he's he's set in stone mm. as that guy mm-hmm. and it's like that's a north star kind of dude now yeah that is like his legacy can never be tarnished like he can never be he can no one can ever take away like he he died at at his peak Mm. but that peak is preserved in stone Mm -hmm. and and then like you said there's the foundation and then there's like this this way that he lived his life up until that point was like almost picture perfect Mm. and there's just so few of those guys that that leave you as that and almost become like this kind of North Star that you can always work towards. So it's like, that's definitely not, you know, like for wife and for kids and for like, there's so much that's left undone and that's so fucking devastating and that's Mm. like forever sad. But then there, I guess there is that, that side of it to where it's like, he's always going to be the like, set in stone as that dude Mm -hmm. and there will be generation after generation after generation that's going to be able to look to that Mm -hmm. like north star you know what i mean so it's like i don't know if there's something in that that could be kind of taken away i guess i guess you can you can say that at living 
your life like what's what's the point of life mm. the point of life is finding something that you're good at giving yourself some responsibility and then leaving that knowledge to the, re- the next to, to the next yeah, to yeah, the next yeah. person and i th- you know when when you look at what he did and what the way he operated and all of that and leaving that kind of you know image not image like a legacy well but like something to look up to like you say yeah, like yeah. this north star like you know how i looked at kurt as like this just dude, okay he's a factory racer but man he's he's just a nice dude he's cool he's like fun to be around he's just a normal dude too like you know this like how i want to be when i grow up yeah you know things like this and and then he leaves you with that and it just is this constant uh you know carrot at the end of the mm. at the end of the stick of like what you can this is what you need to be you, like no, this is like you, you say you n- nobody's ever going to be kurt no and no like you can't try to be but to have like that kindness that he showed to other people and like try to try to leave something behind that's meaningful i think is is the most important part of life in general because if you're not if if you're not doing it for other people as well because especially rally and like racing motorcycles in general is really special or a selfish yeah 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 extremely selfish yeah you know like so so to leave something behind that's for other people bigger than you yeah 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 like i'll never have an answer for that for you know why he passed away but if you can take any anything away from it he's he's left this legacy like he's just a legend that you can always try to be a better person yeah and if if there's any quality in life that i want to leave behind it would be the same yeah like okay I was able to accomplish something really cool on a dirt bike, but if I were to to leave anything behind, it would be to try and help you know the next person, try and help your friend, you know, and 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 try to just be a kind person to anyone for no other reason other than yeah, because it's it's better than being a you know a yeah. dickhead. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's so true, dude. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. It's cool to. Yeah, I've never really got to talk about Kurt that much on the podcast. Like, I never got to meet him, but, like, I've it's the same deal, you know? Like, I've just had so many people that he's had that effect on, you know? So, it's, like, it's it's actually just cool to have that conversation and, and uh, yeah, like, kind of, I guess, hear another story. Like, yeah. it's just more validation of, like, just the legend that the yeah. dude was, you know? Yeah, for real. Yeah, big time. So, what's next for you? What's, you got, so you're out here in, uh, in in dubai currently mm-hmm. uh and then testing all all week straight after the abu dhabi rally mm-hmm. and then where do you guys go from here it's been a mission we finished dakar and we essentially have like less than a month of recovery time yeah. which is gnarly by the way like having that come down after after dakar is oh, a dude. real thing dude like it hit me like a freaking brick wall what's the hardest part of that well you get into such a like a, a adrenaline zone like you just wake up every day this is what you're doing uh, you wake up yeah, you stuff yeah, your face yeah. you get on the bike and you yeah. go and and then as soon as like that ends yeah you face it like real life again huh dude, it just hits you like a truck and it the weight comes you can feel the weight come on you and like the the tiredness set in you just get into a zone 
the tiredness doesn't Dude, really hit yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. So to only have like, oh, you had a month to recover, like. Ain't dude, enough, bro. Pretty on the limit. Like it took me a week just to figure out how to not wake up at three o'clock in the morning anymore. But uh, so we went straight into it. We came to Dubai and we uh, trained for yeah like three or four days. Went to Abu Dhabi and raced for five days. And now we're back in Dubai, testing the bike, always trying to improve and just trying to you know make things as good as we could possibly make them. And then. We have just a short time too. At the end of April, we're in Mexico in Sonora. Got Sonora, huh? Yeah, the Sonora Rally, which I'm super excited about being a world round this year. Yeah, that's like my. That's where I got my that's, start. Yeah, in rally. that's your home jam almost. Yeah, so I'm stoked. There is a level of stress there that are just my hometown race. You know, yeah, okay, yeah, gotta yeah. be good. But no, I'm excited for that one to for everyone else to see how rad that place is. Um, and then we finally got a break. So after that, I actually am planning to go do like some more motocross training, trying Sick. to improve myself. Cause it's like the prologue. Where are you going to do that? Holland. Dope dude. Yeah, dude. I'm going to go to the Netherlands. That's going to be rad. Yeah. The KTM team, the, the boss KTM team that I rode for as a privateer, they're based out of Holland. Yep. So they kind of hook me up. They give me a van to drive and, Sick. uh, Barton Ellison there. Uh, so you're just going to be a warmer warrior. Yeah, dude. You've I'm been a there, beginner. Huh? Yeah, you. We were talking about this. You, you've been out there and done it. Yeah, Barton Ellison is a trainer out there. He, like when uh, Caroli goes out there, he'll train at his gym. So I'll train there and get my butt kicked in the gym by him, and then I'll go to a motocross track and feel like a beginner. Dude, it's so demoralizing. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do the weights thing, and I'm trying to like get a bit stronger and a bit fitter. And I did, uh, I did leg day on Sunday and rode yesterday and it was just demoralizing <laughs> how terrible i felt the entire time and then you ride shit because you can fucking barely stand up and it's just like this is hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the thing that's messed up is like riding a sand track specifically in holland is like because if any of those guys came to the west coast in usa and rode like a hard pack slippery track it'd kind of be the same for them yeah. be able to ride it but it's not really their jam so me as a desert guy i'm not really a motocross guy anyways i didn't grow up doing it at all riding a motocross any track anyways is not really like my that i'm not super good at it uh so then i go to holland and mix in deep sand deep ruts gnarly jumps and fast people I feel like a straight up beginner and it's demoralizing, but good for the ego too. Like, yeah. yeah, you're a professional racer, but not at everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like, dude, there's a, the, like, I think she's like Dutch national champion. She was there on a 125. I was riding a 250 F and I do, I could keep up with her for like three laps. I'm like, and she's like 16 years old. I'm like, Oh, I got work to do. So one of the things that I need to like be better at as a racer is like my sprint pace, my like pace in the sand on in dunes and stuff like that. And I think the best place to practice sprint motocross sand training, Holland. Yeah. And I got, you know, some good people there that are willing to take me in and show me the ropes a bit. So they're all there to tell me how much I suck also, which is funny. Last time I was there, I rode a track right when it opened and kind of watch it deteriorate a little bit and i came in i'm like oh yeah you know it's pretty good and they're like yeah you know when the track is smooth like this and i was like what this is a smooth track like this thing's destroyed they're like yeah no this isn't so bad I'm like what you guys are not they're animals so 
yeah, that kind of ego check and um, that training over there. So I'll train in that in the summer. And then my, uh, I'm really excited to go to Ruta 40 in Argentina. Uh, that's in August. And that one, uh, Kurt actually won that race. So I'm really excited because I don't think it's been back there for like a long time. What format's that race? It's a rally? Yeah. Sick. Yeah, straight up world rally. Oh, dope. Yeah, and it's different too because we've just been used to racing like Morocco, Saudi, you know, just desert. And and that one will be like more slippery roads. You go through some trees, like more mountainous, things like that. So it's a little bit of a switch up too, which is really cool. And then after that, it's back to Morocco for the last world round and then to to dakar that's a crazy thing about like the rally world schedule is there's only five rounds but it doesn't ever stop there's no off season for us yeah like summertime would be considered the off season but there's like a month and a half of like no racing or testing and the rest of the time it's either full testing full training or the race like i've been gone from home for over three weeks now and it's just for one race yeah yeah you know so that's the crazy thing it's like oh yeah it's just one race but i'm gone for like six months out of the year yeah so yeah pretty wild but i mean wouldn't have it any other way yeah dude yeah you're finally getting that that shot to live the dream like (laughs) yeah even to be able to go to holland you know just like take the time be like i'm gonna go get better at my job yep yeah it's super cool super rad yeah no it'll be cool man so it's it's definitely i feel like you guys are all doing a a really good service to rally too you know like it seems like there's a really good crew of you guys that's doing it now there's some really great personalities i just i don't know i hope i wish like the coverage would get a little bit better like it's so hard to be a fan of dakar i need a netflix documentary dude yeah i feel like every sport yeah, needs a netflix. <laughs> <laughs> every sport needs a netflix documentary at the minute yeah but it's just so hard to to follow like i wonder i mean there's crews there and stuff like i'm sure they're like gonna do it i think one really cool thing is how like the abu dhabi rally like this event like there was a big support from the government mm-hmm. that, that was in it too right so i think that like the more that that happens i mean these guys can make shit happen you know yeah so i think that it's a it's a good sign that there's such high level involvement from the government here and just hopefully it just keeps going from strength to strength yeah i think uh yeah i hope that's the hope right is that you can grow the sport that's my whole goal is i fell in love with the sport so i hope you know by showcasing it that other people can also if they like if they get a chance to it they like it as well just showcase it and hopefully it grows and gets more publicity and then more sponsors come in so then more people can get an opportunity to do it and then everyone sees the value so then the governments help out a little bit more and then it makes it you know it's damn near impossible for a rally to happen in the u.s but it would be we have the places that would make an incredible rally yeah so hopefully as it continues to grow and more and more people and whatever you know it uh hopefully it grows and we get that opportunity and it becomes a five or you know or a from a five to like an eight series and then it's just like full gas all the time racing sick places all the time and you know and then when you go somewhere in america and you're a dakar rally racer and someone knows that what that is we were i was joking around with it with my buddy we're at the uh, check-in line in france check-in for a flight and we're talking about dakar and stuff and i'm like there is a 99% chance that n- 
anyone from America doesn't know what I do. They have no idea what the Dakar Rally is. But in in Europe, there's a 70% chance that they definitely know what it is. Yeah. And he goes, nah, I don't know. You think this lady checking us in knows? And I'm like, hey, do you know what the Rally Dakar is? She's like, oh, Rally Dakar, Paris yes, of Dakar. course. Yeah. Ah, I know this person, uh, this person does it and all this kind of stuff. And they and I'm like, $1, please. Yeah. And then I turned around, two Americans ready to check in behind us. I'm like, hey, do you know what the Dakar Rally is? And they're like, what? They have no idea. You know, so it's just like to, to change that perspective and and have just more people be like, oh, dude, motorsports is rad. And now you have motorsports in a hostile environment for a long time and just gnarly stuff happening all the time. It's super cool to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. And see. I think that it's cool what you said before about like the Saudi and the Vistas and just like being able to take that in. Because, man, I was like, obviously with Maddie, he's doing all Toby's stuff, you know. So, like, I'm just around when they're doing all the things that they do and i'm just like watching the photos come through i'm just like where the fuck are they dude man? like it is mental and even we went out to the second last stage and it was just those those dunes man like we're a kilometer from the saudi border mm-hmm. and those dunes out the i guess like kind of the back of abu dhabi like mm-hmm. that's spectacular dude and i don't know like i grew up in cans in the rainforest and it's like that's what i am used to so mm-hmm. maybe it just hits different but me and maddie are just driving through those dunes being like this is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in my entire life i've grown up in the desert and i'm awestruck multiple times racing the dakar i love south america and i wish i got to race like the full dakar you know Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, that whole deal and all that kind of stuff because the people down there are so incredibly passionate. Political things aside, Saudi Arabia is one of the most beautiful countries I've ever raced through. Really? I cannot fathom the size of the stuff. And then like the dunes, the dunes aren't like so tall. They're not like this insane massive mountain in sand. They just go on forever. And like the contrast differences in the sand color and all that kind of stuff it's just like holy shit dude like makes you realize like we're just in one country we're just in one small area of one country and it feels like it goes on forever same thing with like going through russia and it just felt like the forest went on forever it's like dude you're a small person yeah like you're just yeah. a little speck on here on a dirt bike riding through a giant place you know, like the, all that kind of stuff, like we were saying with the other people and everything just brings more perspective down to you as a person. And this place out here will do that in a big way. Like they call it the empty quarter for a reason. There is nothing out there as far as you can see besides sand, but it's breathtaking. It's incredibly beautiful. And the people are so nice. <laughs> yeah. Like it is, it, that was my, it was my brother's first time here and like he's kind of like man why did you move here like it's crazy that that you'd you'd move here and it's like i mean there's obviously like a bunch of reasons but the i don't think he expected i don't think he expected it to be as beautiful as it is here Mm -hmm. and i don't think he expected the people Mm -hmm. to be as nice as they are he's he was like man everybody is so Mm -hmm. nice and again it's like you have this idea 
before you'd come to a place like this and you have the preconceived notions and if you listen to the news and if you you know you if you want to live in that world then it'll give you some weird ideas that when you actually get here none of that is the case nah. you actually get blown away by how nice people are i stopped on the finish of one special in the middle of saudi arabia just no big cities nothing like that and i'm stopped on a on-ramp car passes me turns around comes backwards up the on-ramp to me i'm like oh dude i just want to put my jacket on or something like that this guy gets out he's got nine kids packed into this car and he goes, oh, welcome, welcome. Where are you from? And I say, USA. And he goes, oh, amazing. Welcome, welcome to Saudi Arabia. Oh, you do. Here, have a water. Can I take a photo with all my kids? And I'm like, dude, what? Like, all this political BS and all that kind of stuff is, is like, there's, there's good people everywhere you go. Yeah. And they're just stoked, you yeah. know? People are just excited. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Nah, man. Nah, it's cool. Well, hey, we... Uh, we're pretty much done here, brother. Yeah, sick, dude. I, I, I appreciate you uh, you doing it. I wish it was in the studio, but next time that you're here, hopefully there'll be a Gypsy Tales headquarters. You have an open invitation to come uh, on the podcast anytime that you're in Dubai, brother. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. And on a personal note, just to, it's been very hard to get the ball rolling. So thanks for coming and uh, and doing it. I I really really enjoyed it. So this was uh, this is like my happy place to get to do this. So thanks for uh, thanks for being here and doing it for me, brother. Thank you, dude. I'm honored to be here. Thank you very much. Let's do it again. Hell yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, dude. That was fucking rad. Hell yeah. I really enjoyed it, brother. That was sick, man. Thank you. Two hours forty one.